Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 164 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, you've been a busy man this week. Yeah, uh, in between like starting all these uh, internet controversies on Twitter, uh, I managed to go and see some wrestling live this week. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, you went to the Excite show uh, in upstate New York somewhere? Uh, not upstate. It's actually uh, Binghamton, so just like north of Pennsylvania, the first town up. You know, mm. it's uh, at the Johnson City Mall. So they actually, from the looks of it, they have a permanent base of operations inside of a mall. So as far as indie shows go, it had a had a really nice setup. It was almost like a TV studio. They had like permanent monitors in place and they need to work on their sound system. I couldn't hear a damn word. The uh, the uh, the you know, ring announcer was saying it was the cliched voice box at a drive through window. You know what I'm saying? Well, but, a, I think that's a given for most independent wrestling. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I wanted to go up. I wanted to see, obviously, Broski and Smart Mark were there. And uh, I made a trip of it. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you a little bit about, like, the, the trip itself. I went. They said online that the meet and greet started at 4 o'clock and doors opened at 6, I want to say. So there's, like, a two-hour meet and greet. So, sure. Like, I'm like, I don't know how many people are going to be there, you know? So, like, I, I make it a point to get places early. I had nothing going on that day. So, you know, of course, I, I did a quick doll safari at the local Target and Walmart and struck out, couldn't find anything. So I got to the mall at, like, 3.30, <clears throat> bought my ticket, and there wasn't really anybody there. There was maybe, like, 10, 15 people kind of meandering around the venue. And so I'm like, okay, this doesn't look like it's going to be very, very much attended. So I asked the guy that was buying the ticket from, uh, you know, I was like, all right, so like, what's the deal with the meet and greet? And he's, he's kind of doesn't know what's going on. Like, he's like, I think it's inside, but it might be out here. <laughs> um, I'm like, well, how much is it? He's like, oh, uh, Broski's handling that. So we have no idea. I'm like, okay, well, who should I go see? And he's like, oh, I'm not sure. So I was getting like pretty frustrated, you know, and I think I tweeted about like, just being like. If, if this is a big production, I was like, I could probably skip the meet and greet. But, you know, after a little while, uh, basically all the wrestlers, including Broski and, and uh, Smart Mark, set up tables in the mall proper. So, like, where, like, Mad and Pissed Off Taker would do his walks. That, sure. Like, they, were all, they were all set up out there. And the funny thing was there wasn't a lot of people there getting pictures taken uh, with, like, Broski and Smart Mark. And the ones that were, were all getting their picture taken with just Broski. So I feel like there was a very small major mark turnout for this event. You know, like it, it was like a big portion of the audience was kids and grandmas, you know. So it was like your typical show where where Broski talks about he should be like doing the chicken, chicken chance, you know, <laughs> instead of doing the Deathmatch King gimmick, which he ended up doing. So uh, long story short. Uh, there wasn't a very long wait. I did decide. I was like, you know what? I, I came here to see these guys. I'm going to get my Mark photo. So I paid for the Mark photo, and it was the same price whether you just wanted Matt Cardona or if you wanted both of them. And I was like, sure. well, of course I'm going to get Marky in there, you know? And so I got up into the line. There was maybe two people ahead of me. And, you know, uh, Matt was signing something for somebody and Mark Sterling saw I was wearing a Mark Sterling law offices shirt and a creative pro hoodie. So he was, yeah, (laughs) he was popping for that. Uh, And I talked to him very briefly 
And then Broski freed up and like he was super nice. And I said to Broski, you know, uh, I was like, hey, man, I'm the guy who just the other day bought blank and we'll save this for weekly purchases. And he's like, and he's like, oh, no shit, really? And he takes out his phone and he starts filming me when I'm talking. And of course, that at that point, I, I shit myself and I have nothing interesting to say um, because I'm a nervous little boy. And, uh, you know, just real quick, just kind of talked. And then I just like, all right, thank you for the picture. I got out of the way. And afterwards, like there was nobody really behind me in line. And it was just mostly them just waiting for somebody to come up. They're on their phones, you know, they're buying toys, whatever it is they're, they're doing. Sure. And I was, and I was like, part of me was like, I should just go over and just shoot the shit some more. Right. But on the other hand, I'm like, I don't want to be in the way, you know, I don't want, you know, somebody else to not come up and buy something because I'm there, you know, I, I just don't want to be one of those fans. So I kind of got out of the way, you know, but I, I wish I had said more stuff to the two of them, you know? So many, so many remarks I have in regards to this, right? <laughs> okay, go ahead. Uh, did you at least go over to any of the other wrestlers that you recognized, your uh, Cheech and your Collins and stuff like that, just to say, hey, what's up, or nothing like that? I'm going to be honest with you, I don't, th- if they were out there, I didn't see them. A okay. lot of the tables that were set up, I feel like, and I could be wrong, I feel like we're the local guys. Gotcha. You know, like well, the, they're kind of the local guys, you know. Well, I, I don't know, maybe... Just the people that had gimmick tables set up, I didn't recognize. Gotcha. That being said, you know. Uh, so the other thing is you said that there weren't a ton of major marks, as you yes. say. Yes. I think Broski did a very poor job of promoting this show on the podcast. Well, you know what? You made that comment, and I was actually behind. Like, I had not yet listened to, you know, Z True Long Island or whatever that is, MC. And I hadn't listened to some of the other like ancillary shows. And they did make mention to the triple shot and the fact that it was Excite Wrestling. But no, I see what you're saying. But they, they did promote it. And when I bought my general admission ticket, uh, there was like three tickets left. Okay. And they did announce it as a sellout. And I'll, I'll tell you that they packed that little, that store that it was inside of. Like there, uh-huh. it, it was not a... It was not the LVAC Let's Hang Out. Let's put it that way. It was the exact opposite of that. Okay. So uh, there is a way, especially when there's nobody else coming up, okay? Yeah. Uh, So there is a way to kind of like hang and not be a nuisance and not deter other people. Yeah. The way that you do that is, is you kind of position yourself so that it's almost as though you're standing with them and talking to them. Does that make any sense? Sure. Just like off to the side, not in front of the ta- the gimmick table. Yes. So that you're talking to them. You have a viewpoint to see if there's anybody coming. So you can kind of like fall back and let them do their business. Yeah. But you're not putting up like a front of your back to other people. It's like, oh, they're with someone. I'll come back later. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I that is definitely good advice to take, you know, in the future. Um, it was just one of those things where I, I wasn't I, – I didn't think straight through it. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Um, well, if you, had, if you had me or Todd with you, yes. uh, like you texted me, I think, the day before, and you're like, hey, on a whim in the afternoon, you want to drive to Binghamton? <laughs> and when I looked at the thing initially, I'm like, oh, shit. I go, is this like next month? And I'm like, no, this is tomorrow. I'm like, there's no way I can coordinate like my life schedule to make sure that I can go like on less than 24 hours notice. 
Yeah. Well, you know what? A lot of the I, I had several people who at least expressed interest in going between uh, my buddy Rob, who came to the Let's Hang Out event with me and went to uh, actually went out to AIW and Toy Ohio with me. Uh, gotcha. And he backed out. Um, uh, just other thing like Brett from We Need Wrestling originally expressed interest in going, but something came up for him. So I was just kind of scrambling at the last minute. I, I even invited Todd. I, I, I basically said I would buy him a ticket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was no sell on that. Yeah, you, ha- you uh, have to promise him good pizza afterwards. Oh, see that—that's where I, I struck out. But yeah. uh, but I'll tell you what, Joe. The, the show itself was entertaining. I, I know that I messaged you a little bit here and there. There was a couple folks that maybe weren't quite ready for prime time that were out there, but sure, the people that were, you know, your trained professionals, uh, put on a very good show. I was super psyched that uh, Smart Mark and Broski both wrestled before the intermission because it was, I want to say, th- little over three hours before intermission. And, and I was like, yeah, like, I am not staying for the second half of the show, especially because during the intermission they were going to assemble and then afterwards disassemble a steel cage. Uh, I'm not here for any of that. So I basically, uh, I'm like, I got my Mark photo. I got to see the guys I want. I got to see Cheech and Cloudy and, uh, you know, to infinity and beyond and all that wrestle. So I was happy with what I got. So I left at like 10, 15 and got home at maybe, you know, 11, 15. Well, that's not bad. Yeah. And you making fun of uh poor taker, uh, you know, at the mall and everything. And then you talk about you pooping your pants. So I don't want to hear it. <laughs> this is true. Mr. Brown got me. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? I'll tell you, they announced Ethan Page for the next show uh-huh. uh, in December, and uh, we'll see how that works out with my schedule. You know, I can always go down and get another Mark photo with Julian. I'm like 80 pounds smaller than on my last one, so it'll be a completely different picture. Uh, so didn't they announce Ethan Page and uh, uh, Davey Richards for that show? Uh, no, they didn't announce Davey Richards to the live crowd. That's news to me. Oh, okay. I could have swore you said that in our messages because uh, that would have been a very – I'd go to that show if uh, Ethan Page and Davey Richards were going to be in the same building together. No, no. I, I definitely didn't say that because I didn't hear anything about it. No, it's good. That, I guess it's good that he's back on the road there taking some uh, indie bookings there, you know? <laughs> yeah, I guess. And now, At Odds with Wrestling presents – this day in wrestling history. So, hey, we're doing things a little bit different with the music this week uh, as we're going to go forward with the show. Uh, so this day in wrestling history, Adam. Yes. I know this cuts it close to your uh, time frame of things. And under normal circumstances, we always go with air dates for stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this month, it's so crazy that, like, even you didn't realize it as a kid. But now when you look at, like, the This Day in Wrestling histories for the old syndicated WWF TV shows, your superstars and your challenges, how what we would technically classify as sweeps on the normal television schedule, like May and November and sometimes February, I guess, um, that they would do, like, big angles or something on the syndicated shows. Mm-hmm. You just didn't realize it. It was just like, oh, sometimes you'd watch superstars for like six weeks in a row and nothing would happen. And then one week, you know, something big happens. Yeah, renegotiating their TV deal. Sure. So uh, this day in wrestling history, 1989, uh, in a push-up challenge between then Intercontinental Champion, the Ultimate Warrior, and Dino Bravo, uh, 
part of the push-up challenge was they picked a man out of the crowd, John from West Virginia, a big, jolly, rotund man who told Mean Gene proudly that he weighed 460 pounds. (laughs) And Dino Bravo did five push-ups with this man on his back. And as Ultimate Warrior was about to do his push-ups, this John sat on the Ultimate Warrior because this John from West Virginia was actually the Canadian Herquak, a.k.a. the Earthquake. <laughs> I've never heard of this. You've never? Okay. Oh, my God. So the, the angle's on YouTube. I retweeted it today. Um, I'll send it to you when we're done. But I just gave away the whole thing. Like, as I a s- kid, <laughs> it's like they pull a man out of the crowd. And, like, you could tell that it's like, uh, like, even then, I'm like, yeah, he's not really sitting on him, you know? He's. Not putting really much resistance on him. But, like, they pull a fan out of the crowd and he attacks the ultimate warrior. Yeah, that is. As a kid, it was crazy, right? Yeah, that is unheard of. I'm feeling like my earliest memories of the earthquake, earthquake, he was not the Canadian earthquake at the time. Like, he wasn't in the natural disasters yet, but he, he had dropped the Canadian moniker. Yeah, he was only Canadian earthquake for, like, a couple months. So, like, if he debuts here in November... By the time WrestleMania in April rolls around, he's just the Earthquake. So he's he's Canadian Earthquake for less than six months. Okay. I mean, that just goes to say that anything happened before 1990, I don't acknowledge. But Sure. Uh, another one, uh, this day in wrestling history in 2011 is the uh, Chikara event from Cleveland entitled A Piece of the Action, which we will be watching in pieces uh, when I do my homework assignment, whenever the next time that I come up for that is, if Joe, you want to hear me Joe. get more in depth, what was that? W- will it be a piece of the piece of the action? It'll be pieces of a piece of the action. Yes. Okay. I want to make sure to shoehorn that in. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, if you want to hear me get in depth, uh, with this one, uh, you can go listen to my appearance from a couple months back on board to life, uh, with Alex worldwide, Kellar and the weirdster who were there as fans and attendance at the show. And we kind of do like a three plus hour breakdown of the entire event. Okay. Uh, Also, lastly, on this day in wrestling history in 2000, ECW held a television taping at the uh, Mid-Hudson Civic Center in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, a lot of times, you know, as I mentioned, we typically do air date, not the date of a TV taping. Well, there was stuff that happened at this TV taping that never made actual TV air. Because this was the ECW debut of Scott Hall. Oh, okay. Uh, They do an angle where he gets attacked by Big Sally Graziano at the start of the taping. And then the main event of the taping is him versus Just Incredible. And this was supposed to be the beginning of a short run in ECW for Scott Hall. But Shane Douglas and Bam Bam Bigelow... And I think Chris Candido might have been back at this time, but definitely Shane Douglas kind of put the kibosh on that from their time together in the World Wrestling Entertainments. <laughs> yeah, Shane wasn't click friendly, I guess. No. And this and this is the, uh, you know, if you remember from the Thrill Zone days, uh, this is where Scott Hall coming out to the Fugees, Ready or Not, comes from. Because this is that's the theme that he used for these appearances. Yeah, I mean, we're testing around, you know, putting in the music live on the podcast. You should have had that queued up, Joe. Uh, listen, baby steps, baby steps. <laughs> one of the one of the songs weren't working. I think it was a, a, a hint that it shouldn't have. Next time. Next time I'll be ready. <laughs> All right. So that was this day in wrestling history. Adam, let's get into what we liked and didn't like in the last seven days in the world of professional wrestling. 
All right. I guess there's just this one show. I'll start things off. <laughs> and I will go with the like. And I don't think I'm going out on a limb on this one. I'm pretty sure we are going to overlap. And it is from Rampage the day after we recorded the face-to-face confrontation between Phil from Chicago and uh, Eddie Kingston. And obviously this also, you can say, a bonus-like was their parking lot confrontation on last night's Dynamite. But going back to the promo itself, you know, just the fact that I feel like a lot of it was built on genuine animosity between the two of them. Sure. And you cannot fake the passion that Eddie Kingston has. And, you know, maybe he does turn it up to 11, but that man, I I said it in a tweet. I am legitimately scared of him. I would never want to be on his bad side. That was just a super powerful promo. And unless you're Ed Cody from Pod Van Dam, I mean, you can't come out of that without saying that you're on Team Eddie and that you want to see him get that win. But regardless of what happens, I think they did a good job of establishing the fact that Eddie Kingston's just there to fight. He's not there for a win. So if you know CM Punk does inevitably get the win, it doesn't matter because Kingston's going to do a ton of damage. And I'm really excited to see this match. Probably between this and the Hangman Omega match, these are the you know the things I'm looking forward to the most this weekend. Yeah, I, I wish this could have been positioned a little bit differently. Obviously, this is also in my likes. Uh, you want to throw in the Eddie Kingston promo that was on the Road 2 little thing that aired yeah. um, on Wednesday afternoon on YouTube. You could throw that in there as well. Um, you know, there's not been a time that Eddie Kingston hasn't been given the ball in AEW and he hasn't delivered. Um Eddie Kingston was the man who got fans to boo CM Punk for the first time in AEW toward the end of that segment. Um, And on a personal note regarding all of this, uh, in regards to Phil the Chicago Coward. Mm -hmm. um, So you you look, and, and the thing about all this is CM Punk is a liar. And Eddie Kingston said it to his face. And what did CM Punk do? Did he detract? Did he attempt to defend himself? No. Because he is a liar. He knows he's a liar. I just don't think he thought it was going to be this soon before someone called him on the carpet about it. (laughs) And you could certainly judge the type of person that someone is by the type of wrestler that they say that they're a fan of. And we can get into the weeds on a Brett versus Sean sort of thing, <laughs> but we're not going to do that. Okay. We're going to do that here. Yeah. If you're a fan of Eddie Kingston, you're, you're typically a good person, someone who's there for someone else, someone who wears their heart on their sleeve, uh, someone who fights no matter what the odds are and no matter how down they are, they never stop. If you're a fan of CM Punk, are you loyal to your friends? Are you trustworthy? Are you honest? Are you reliable? He isn't. Maybe you're not either. And listen, I don't want to turn this into a CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston thing, but too late. (laughs) This Saturday, it ain't going to be about winning and losing. CM Punk is going to lose regardless. Whether Eddie Kingston gets his hand raised or not. I'm going to see CM Punk get the shit beat out of him by arguably one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. And am I biased in this? Am I friends with Eddie Kingston? Absolutely. 
Is CM Punk a person who on multiple occasions has been a dick to me personally? 100%. Was it a long time ago? And has he been putting some uh, bits of the bunny back on there over the last couple of years? As Tim and Marcus would say over on Final Wrestling Place, he certainly has. But you know what? Let's see what that bunny looks like after Saturday. I think that bunny's going to look like Phil himself. Hmm. A fucking mess. <laughs> I feel like, and I don't want this to happen, but I have an itching feeling that it might. Like, I feel like they're going to have Eddie do some vile, vile heel shit. You know, like, to just make sure that the crowd doesn't completely turn on Phil. Because I feel like AEW's worst nightmare is coming out of this. Is that just... CM Punk is just booed out of the building, you know, and like, I get it that you and I would have no problem with that. But from an investment standpoint from AEW, I don't think they want that. I think both they want them to both come out of this looking strong, you know, based on match quality, I'm sure it will. But like, obviously, Punk's going to end up winning, you know, because Punk's not going to lose a match this early in his AEW career would say what you want, whether that's deserved or not. He's not going to lose. So I either have a no finish or double DQ or whatever. But if they don't do that and if they don't play it right, you know, I can see CM Punk just having the shit boot out of them, boot out of him. Um, So that's why I'm saying I'm worried that, like, you're going to have Eddie Kingston doing, like, mustache twirling levels of evil stuff, which I I don't know if it's necessarily in character. So I'm interested to see how it plays out. It's just my concerns kind of being voiced. So with you saying that... Um, I'll also say what, what if Adam Eddie Kingston does go to that high end level of mustache twirling evil and still gets cheered, then what? Well, then you've done everything you can from a booking standpoint, you know, (laughs) it's Uh, just, I think Phil's ego needs it to be in place where you could say, Hey, we tried to make sure you were the baby face coming out of it. Look at the way we booked Kingston. You know, but if you don't at least try that, you know, he might take his ball and go home. Well, again, wouldn't be the first time, won't be the last time. But um, I don't think we're going to see a full fledged heel turn out of either party. No, Uh, I think we're playing this with some animosity. We're playing this with some real life emotions regarding this. Um, It was Cody being booed the last couple of weeks Uh, this past week on Wednesday. He was pretty much universally cheered. Um, So it definitely depends on the circumstance. It depends on the crowd. There's a lot of variables. Um, But like there was a point during Kingston versus Brian Danielson where Danielson was getting booed when he was laying down like, you know, the ground and pound on Kingston. He was defenseless. So and, and I would I think it's safe to say that American Dragon is more beloved than CM Punk. Yeah. And I'm sure if you ask CM Punk. He would probably rather be a heel than be a babyface. It's just right now he's a babyface because he's new and he's fresh and he's shiny. And I think with a variety of factors that have gotten us to this match happening, uh, maybe they're pulling that trigger on CM Punk going full-fledged heel a little bit sooner than they had expected. But I can almost assure you that this was the end game to have CM Punk be a heel at some point in the thing. Um, but like I said, it, it's it's the match I'm most interested for in the pay-per-view. Absolutely. Uh, So, hey, let's go with the dislike. I'm all ranted out, so I'll just state it as a fact, right? Okay. Uh, So apparently there's been a work freeze, a work stoppage at the uh, other folks that do up, up, down, uh, up, up, down, down. 
uh, because it came out that Xavier Woods uh, not only wasn't being paid enough, but what he was getting paid for doing up, up, down, down and the hosting duties that he was doing for G4, two things that are separate from the World Wrestling Entertainment, uh, allegedly are being taken out of his downside guarantee. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's kind of bullshit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's in my dislikes. Uh, you're doing a man who's kind of busted his ass and has kind of kowtowed to everything that you've wanted to. And you even mentioned, uh, as one of your business partners in your shareholders meeting last week, uh, up, up, down, down. And now the fact that you're taking that guy's money out of his downside guarantee, um, you know, I think world wrestling entertainment might not be a good company there, Adam. Yeah, it's it's almost like it's a shitty company that you shouldn't want to work for if you have any other options. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, it's real honest question. Is G4 a thing yet? Like, I remember hearing that it was coming back, and it, it, does it exist right now? Because is it a channel? Is it a streaming service? Um, I don't think anything is officially launched, but I know uh, they've been filming stuff ready to go for the launch. Okay, because you're like, oh, he's getting hosting money, and I'm like, oh, did that start already? No, I did see him posting a bunch of stuff like, here we are in front of, like, the building and a a G4 logo, and here I am setting up shots, and here I am on set filming things and so forth. Okay, well, at least he gets to play king, you know? Yes. Maybe that'll keep him happy for a while. All right, I will go with the like, Joe. And this is also a quick one just because I don't think words can describe how much I enjoyed it. But from this past week's Dynamite, I'm going to go with the tag team match of Dante Martin, Leah Rush versus Lee Moriarty and Matt Seidel. Um, Just a super, super fun, fast paced match with a lot of innovative offense. And uh, all these guys are really entertaining. And I... I probably have been sleeping on the Dante Martin solo matches that have been airing the last couple months that people have been raving about. And I just wanted to make it a point to watch this from start to finish because I like a lot of the guys in it. And this was a really good match, probably the best, you know, technical wrestling spectacle over the past seven days. Uh, Yeah, Dante Martin's been really stepping it up. It's going to be interesting uh, what things look like when his brother comes back from injury. Uh, This was Lee's first big match on live TV. And they positioned those two guys as, like, future stars. You know, uh, the Darby-MJF match is built around the four pillars of AIW, of AEW, excuse me. But I think in guys like Dante Martin and Lee Moriarty, you've got, like, the next four after that four. Yeah. And, I mean, Leo Rushman, like, say what you want about him as a person or his weirdness on the internet and him retiring every other month, but... It's just another guy that you scratch your head and be like, the WWE couldn't find anything with this guy. You know, he had so many start and stops in the WWE between managing Bobby Lashley and his 205 and NXT cruiserweight runs and all that shit. But, yeah, whatever. Great match on AEW. And listen, you know, we, we I, I have nothing for or again uh, Leo Rush. He's obviously very talented. Um, you know, the, the reasons you mentioned, of course, is why I wouldn't put any stock in future programs with him but if tony khan feels confident to put him in a position like this he's not in a super duper main event position so that if he does flake out like there's no foul but you know i guess get the most out of the guy while you can and while he's willing to do what you want him to do you know yeah uh not my likes uh in my likes though um another thing that was going around quite a bit online 
this week. And again, it's an all Eddie Kingston likes. It's that article <laughs> that Eddie wrote for the Players Tribune website. Um, where Eddie kind of just lays essentially his soul to bear for the entire world, you know? Yeah. Um, it takes so these are stories that Eddie has told uh many times publicly, and there's a lot of stuff that he's never told publicly before. And when you see everything that he's gone through to get to this point in his career, all laid out like one after another, after another, after another, after another, I have no problem saying to you, and I even sent him a text. I was crying at work reading that thing, man. It crushed me. Um, Because sometimes you, you, you know there's people out there that, as I mentioned before about Eddie, he's a guy who wears his heart on his sleeve. And there's a guy, and he's very open, and he's very forthcoming about his emotions and what he's dealing with but it's another thing to like i said to see it all laid out end to end from beginning to end and there's even stuff in there that he never talked about publicly like i said uh stuff that maybe people knew privately maybe they didn't um so you know even if there's people out there um you know eddie's doing fine right now uh he'll tell you but maybe there's somebody in your life who's not uh, maybe an email or a tweet or a social media post seems a little odd. Uh, I know we've talked about this before in the show, but just saying, hey, man, everything OK, don't hurt nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I say this, you know, whether that's part of the character or part of just who Eddie is as a person, I don't know how you could boo that guy on Saturday. Yeah. And uh, like another thing is just, again, I mentioned earlier, you know, that like I'm legitimately scared of Eddie Kingston as like a person or as a character, you know, like he just mm-hmm. gives off this just killing machine persona that you don't want to fuck with. But like, you know, to to be such a badass to also be brave enough to just have all that vulnerability. Yeah, is is just super impressive, too. And it's like, you know just to be able to say you got a problem with that fuck you do something about it you know this is who i am this is what i'm going through and i'm trying to help people you know absolutely Uh, very very impressive stuff um all right i'm gonna go with a dislike joe and this is uh i hate to even freaking talk about this from nxt two point glow we had a match between your boy joey gacy and boa you know, Boa, the guy with the very Oh, you mean, consistent... hang on, let me, I, I, again, this is Check fake. the spreadsheet. Well, again, you could see. I'm not pulling up the spreadsheet, but he is now possessed by the ghost of uh, Mei Ying. Well, that that's the reason why it's in my dislikes. I didn't know he was possessed because I must have missed something with my very casual NXT watching. and Because I'm just like, oh, he's wearing face paint now, and he doesn't have the person on the throne anymore but like he's having the match and the lights are flickering joe the lights get flickered i don't know i don't have a thing for that and like he's possessed as you mentioned by may ying and he chokes out gacy and then he stares at his dangerous hands joe (laughs) like it's like i've defended nxt in the past back when it was just ring of honor with wwe budget when all the people were shitting on gargano but like all right if you were if you had your uh gums flapping about gargano i better hope that you you say something about boa here uh especially now he doesn't have the true shooter watching his back but oh man like on a show of bad things once again here's something that just stands out amongst the bad 
I'm always a fan of a finish in professional wrestling where a guy gets disqualified for kicking too much ass. <laughs> it's, it's always it always really, really, really a cool finish, you know. But no, yeah. the week prior on NXT, uh, Mei Ying sent Boa out to the ring by himself without her. He came and he lost his match. He went back to the room where she is. She wasn't there. They do a camera pan like kind of goes behind Boa. As he kneels down in front of the throne, and then when the camera comes back, he's wearing the face paint as though he's now been possessed by whatever the spirit was that, you know, was there. See, See when you say it aloud, it really sounds <laughs> dumb. <laughs> I don't know if I'm brushed up or willing to get versed in Mei Ling lore. Like, I, <laughs> you know. Well, and plus, they, they, they spent a lot pre uh, NXT two point glow. They spent a lot of time in it. And, uh, you know, I think Zia Lee getting drafted up to SmackDown to do vignettes <laughs> for uh, two weeks or three weeks or whatever the hell it's been uh, is more important than continuing a ghost. <laughs> How is that more ridiculous than anything else going on in NXT two point glow? I'll never know. <laughs> Yeah. Plus, I'm a little bit, not to get too off topic, but I'm a little worried uh, on the most recent episode of We Need Wrestling. They teased that they were not going to cover NXT 2.0 anymore. Mm. And that is kind of where I get most of my NXT news from is from those guys. So I'm a little worried. I'm cleaning up the spreadsheet to make it a little bit more readable. But the releases last week kind of fucked that up a bit, you know? Yeah. Um, but there were some big changes. I do. I do send out my uh, rolling tweet every week. <laughs> if you search uh, NXT Two Point Glow, you'll find my like my weekly updates to the spreadsheet. There was a lot of updates this week, actually. Oh, okay. Are you still as active on like the NXT Two Point Glow message boards on like no. AOL and CopyServe and all that? No, no, not anymore. Uh, I think those all got shut down. Ah, oh, it's a shame. All right. So my final dislike from this past week is from Dynamite. And it was the big heat segment go-home angle for the Inner Circle versus America's top team. <laughs> okay, I get it. Dan Lambert's the greatest heel in the world of professional wrestling. All those people booing him means so much, right? Mm -hmm. He's still a shaky, overweight, unconfident old man and prior to this angle prior to this week's dynamite i'm like okay the saving grace to all of this shit is in the main event jericho gets pinned by scorpio sky eh, who's pinned jericho before or he gets pinned by ethan page right uh-huh so you're building a new star it's a way to have somebody who's actually on your roster put think put Jericho out or whatever it is, getting that victory over him. Granted, Jericho kind of fucked up the big win that Orange Cassidy got over him because he didn't know how to roll forward. Mm -hmm. And they could never show, like, literally one of the biggest moments in Orange Cassidy's career ever again because Jericho sucks. But it, at least it would have been something. This angle uh, that was shot on TV this past week means, at least in my opinion that it's going to be Jericho pinning Dan Lambert to win the whole thing. So we did this whole America's top team thing, putting them with two really good wrestlers, two really good talkers. So Jericho could fuck around with a bunch of MMA guys. 
And listen, I'm not an MMA guy. Go back and watch the part where they attack them on the ramp, and then the MMA guys have to do worked elbow strikes. It looks lame as shit. So, like, if you're an MMA person and you watch this, you see your MMA people very clearly doing fake, phony, bullshit strikes. If you're not an MMA guy, like me, and you think MMA is supposed to be legit, and then you see the legit MMA guys throwing these dainty elbows that couldn't crack an egg, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, honestly, Joe, I'm not as opposed to all of this as you are. Uh, I'm at the point where I, I don't have this negative reaction to America's Top Team and Dan Lambert when they come out. Like, I, I get everything you're saying. Like, I agree with you that having these legitimate killers throwing weak punches and weak elbows so that they don't hurt somebody does kind of look off to somebody with a critical eye. I get that. And you make a very good point that if the entire payoff of this is just to put Chris Jericho over, that is a disservice to Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. But I don't look at these segments as something that, like, I'm like, oh, get it off my TV. I'd say they're just middle-of-the-pack segments that I just don't have, like, this positive or negative reaction to it. If at the end of the day, you know, Jericho's put over, Inner Circle's put over, Jake Hagar looks like a million bucks because, you know, he he killed all these UFC heavyweight champions all by himself, and then Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page get sent down to do nothing again, then that'll suck. But I'll wait until it happens. You know, I'll reserve my judgment. Yeah, if, if the finish of the pay-per-view is Ethan Page pinning Chris Jericho— when we record next week after the pay-per-view, I'll come back and I'll say, I was wrong. It was worth it. All this waste of time putting Ethan Page, Santana Ortiz essentially on hold for them to do anything worthwhile to be stuck in this angle so Jericho could fuck around with a bunch of MMA guys um, was worth it. But this go-home angle did not fill me with any hope that that's what the end result was going to be. Yeah. Let it play out, Joe. Let it play uh, out. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I don't know how the, the pacing got for this, but I still have a dislike left. Oh, okay. Go ahead. And this is actually a, a little bit of a discussion here. Because here's the thing. When I watch wrestling, especially the last couple of weeks, last couple of months, I feel like my likes fill up pretty damn quick. Okay. Like, I'll, I'll watch something, or even sometimes a match will be announced, and I'll be like, oh, okay, they're going to do CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston. Okay, I'm just going to write that in my likes, and then you know we'll revisit it when it happens. Like, that happens a lot. So I'll fill in my likes. Sometimes I have an extra like or two. But then I really struggle with the dislikes. And why do I struggle with the dislikes, Joe? Because if something is going to be bad, I probably am not going out of my way to watch it. Sure. I don't, I don't watch Monday Night Raw. I'll fast forward through Monday Night Raw, maybe stop on one or two promos of the the few people i care about we've talked about this before uh smackdown you know whatever i'll watch the head of the table stuff it's a very quick watch so like i have to sometimes go out of my way especially because unlike you i don't keep abreast of like what's going on on twitter what's going on in the wrestling world my wrestling coverage so to speak is based on what i see on tv so i feel like it's getting harder and harder to do dislikes so what I'm proposing to you and we can like my dislike is that I have to work so hard to go and find something to put in my dislikes. <laughs> I'm proposing to you for the sake of positivity that maybe we think about 
and we don't have to figure it out right now. We can maybe just ask some of the listeners what they think. We can talk off the air. But maybe just go on to like three likes and a dislike or just saving the dislikes to those that are very worthy of it for a Joe rant or maybe something really sticks in my craw and I have to rant about something, you know, and, and just not actively seeking out negativity and things that I don't like because I feel like when I'm filling in my likes, I'm happy about the stuff that I'm putting in there. It's matches I liked, it's promos I liked, it's people I like. And then the dislikes, I'm really just like, I could have very easily been like, oh, I watched Beyond and I saw Dan Champion wrestle as a baby face kind of, and that was unsettling. So that's my dislike <laughs> for this week. <laughs> you know, I could be like, oh, Broski wrestled Minoru Suzuki and they kept referring to the wrong guy as the hardcore legend. Like these are all <laughs> things that could have easily been in my dislikes this week because I don't care passionately enough about a lot of the products. To, right. to have a dislike. So I just think that that warrants a discussion you know, or like we could look into that in the future. But I think uh, having a set amount of dislikes, it forces you to seek out negativity and seek out bad wrestling. So I think that that's something we should look into. Uh, so I'll counter with this and I completely get where you're coming from. And yes, my sphere sometimes a lot more wide th- than yours when it comes to wrestling. Like I had like four dislikes ready to go. I narrowed it down to two, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I could have, I could have did 20 minutes on how they drafted the teams for raw and SmackDown survivor series on Twitter. Yeah. And the fact that the entire raw team was SmackDown wrestlers as of three weeks ago <laughs> so and how, I'll, how I'll, outside of Sami Zayn, the entire SmackDown team was raw wrestlers as of three weeks ago. Yeah. So and I then on Raw that, this Joe. past week, they completely changed the Raw team anyway. So <laughs> why do the whole thing on Twitter anyway if you're just going to change the team on Monday anyway? I, I saw all that, and it is a head-scratcher, and it is a thing that you can say, well, WWE, everybody. But at the end of the day, I don't care. You okay. know, like, you can say, like, the entire team was flip-flop seven times and it was announced on Tout. It is something stupid and it is something cringeworthy, but at the end of the day, I don't care enough to talk about it. So that's the thing is it's like I have to fake outrage with so much stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. and I get that that's the bit. But I'm saying if there's more uh, less of a necessity to seek it out, it it would be beneficial. Sure. So I'll I'll say I never want you to fake any sort of positivity or outrage. I really want you to, you know, go for the sort of things. Uh, So. Like I said, my counter offer is to say this. Stick with two and two for now. If you don't have a second dislike or even two dislikes, fuck it. You don't. You yeah. could be Mr. Positivity and I'll be the one that could be the negative Nancy. Or even if it's like I have a dislike, but I have three likes. Perfect. You know, something like that. So you know, let us know what you think if you're a listener of the show. You know, should we, uh, should we be able to mix it up or should we stick to the, the regimented way we did things? You know, what do you prefer? And, you know, I'd be interested to hear. We have a lot of people that listen and, you know, have listened since before we had likes and dislikes. So I'd be curious to hear what they have to say. Right. And later on in the show, we'll give you a way to kind of make your voice literally heard. Yes. We'll just send us a stamp address, a stamped <laughs> addressed envelope, self-addressed. I don't know. <laughs> So, hey, Adam, isn't there a pay-per-view this weekend? There is. Is Sammy Zane's kicking down to the ring? Is Kofi Kingston doing his thing? Ruby Riot be on the show? Well, Daniel Bryan shout no, no, no. Is it the big dogs, yo? 
I really think uh, no rush. Uh, that's really out of date at this point. <laughs> well, you know what? I was talking to Todd on the most recent episode of Porch Talk. I'm sure you heard it. Oh, it's and, on all my podcatchers. Sure. Yeah. And we were talking about not only like what jingles need updating uh, as well as like what shows and what bits just need jingles. I think we did a whole 20 minute bit on it. So go check out this episode of Porch Talk. Uh, a lot of uh, vile and vitriol aimed towards Longbox Heroes regarding updating jingles, but <laughs> well, so that's the thing. Todd will never say that to me, but that that is something in the cards. Yes. Okay. Nice. But uh, yeah, I don't want to give Dewicky more work. I, right. I feel like I already give him too much. But uh, anyways, this weekend, Joe AEW presents Full Gear, and according to Wikipedia, the most trusted source of all wrestling information and news. There are 10 announced matches, one of which is on the pre-show. Joe, do you know the card? I think I do. All right. Okay. Uh, pre-show match is Hikaru Shida and uh, Thunder Rosa against Nyla Rose and Jamie Hayter. Correct. The best dive catcher in all of professional wrestling, by the way. <laughs> Uh, now he's going to make a joke here and say, uh, unfortunately, Adam, Wikipedia is wrong. There's only one match on the pay-per-view this week, and that's Eddie Kingston versus CM Punk, uh, cause that's the only match that I care about, but I can't even make that joke because it's a pretty goddamn good pay-per-view, right? Yeah. I'm looking at it now. There's, I, I mentioned earlier that there was two matches I was looking forward to. I'm seeing at least one more that I'm, I'm super psyched about, but go ahead. Okay. Two so more. There's two so far, the CM Punk, Eddie Kingston match and the women's tag team match, right? Yeah. Uh, we got the face of women's wrestling, Tay Conti. The face? Taking on Britt Baker yep. for the uh, AEW women's title. We have uh, Brian Danielson taking on Miro at the end of the uh, number one contenders tournament. Yep, that's four. We have MJF taking on Darby Allen. Yep. Uh, we have FTR taking on the Lucha Brothers. Uh, Yep. We have Cody and the Bastard Pack taking on Alistair Black and Andrade. Who's Alistair Black? Uh, what the fuck's is uh, Malachi Black? Malachi Black. You know who the hell I meant. <laughs> yep. So you threw me off there. Uh, we have the uh, five-on-five Minneapolis street fight. Of uh, Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, and America's Top Team against the Inner Circle. Well, Joe, who's representing America Top Team? All right. Uh, Suck-ass Dan Lambert. Yes. And two MMA guys who I don't give a shit about. Uh, former UFC heavyweight champions of the world, Junior Dos Santos and Andre Arlovsky. Show some mm. respect. Okay. <laughs> Good for them. Uh, we also, and how many is that so far? Uh, I wasn't counting, but you're missing one, two matches. Easy. Uh, we have the super click of the Young Bucks and Adam Cole's baby taking on uh, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, and uh, Christian in a Falls Count Anywhere's match. Yep, and I do appreciate that you, you refer to him by the proper name, the super click. Right. And then the main event for the AEW title, uh, Hangman Adam Page taking on Kenny Omega. All right. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, let's do some predictions here for some of the, the bigger matches. And I think we'll just start right at the top. Is Hangman Page walking away with this title? Absolutely. Take it to the bank. 
Yeah, I, I, I cannot imagine a scenario where they don't pay this off. W or AEW has been really good with not flip-flopping the world title a lot. Like, Kenny Omega's what, the third champ? We had Jericho and uh, Moxley and Kenny. That's it, right? In the two years and change that the promotion's been in business, yes. Yeah, so I mean, I think that that, that is something to be applauded. But with that being said, it's Hangman's turn. You know, they've... This has been a storyline that they've been building for two years. And if you're not going to pay it off now, you never will. So pay it off. Uh, send everybody home happy. I'm I'm excited for that match. For sure. And I think TV, like on Wednesday, is in Virginia, his home state. Oh, geez. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Um, I'm looking at this. There's no, aside from, the, I was going to say the aside from Anna Jay, but she's coming out with Tay Conte. There's no dark order on this pay-per-view, is there? Technically, Hangman Page. Uh, the, I mean, you could say Take Conti's in the Dark Order if you're going to say Hangman's in there, but I'm actually just now noticing that it's kind of weird. But uh, just as as over as they've been to not give him at least a pre-show match. But I guess that brings us to the next thing. Uh, I know that I'll probably agree with you with what you say on this, but I'm going to be sad about it. Britt Baker versus Take Conti. Uh, I'm making bold predictions for the pay-per-view. New okay. champion, Tay Conte. Oh, that would warm my heart. That would warm uh, my heart. Just your heart, right? <laughs> That's the only thing that would be affected. <laughs> All right. But, um, I, but I, I, I will say this. It's going to be a, I, I don't know the full uh, television schedule in front of me, but it would be, yeah, it would be one of those things where Tay Conte wins it at the pay-per-view and then Britt wins it back before the year is over. I mean, I can deal with, I guess we're November 11th as we're recording this. I could deal with yeah. a month and a half or so. It'd be a great Christmas present for myself. Um, I'd love to see it. I just feel like they, they're they not going to take it off of Britt Baker. It's just a gut feeling. But I like your optimism. I like your bold predictions. Well, listen, uh, I'm the guy who knows Eddie Kingston's winning over CM Punk this week. So, you know. <laughs> so we won't even talk about that. Um, Danielson versus Miro. I think that okay. this could honestly go either way. Another bold prediction, Miro's winning. Yeah, because if you're going to have Hangman as the champ, I think Hangman versus Miro is a really good first person to feed to Hangman, you know, and have yes. Hangman come out on top. And, uh, you know, Danielson doesn't need to be undefeated. You know, he's the best in the world and he could lose occasionally, you know. That's correct. I'm pulling up the TV schedule as we speak here to see. They're back in Chicago, Atlanta, Long Island, Texas, North Carolina. Is our new bit, does Joe know the, the road schedule? No, no. <laughs> so I was looking to see if they were returning to Pittsburgh anytime soon. Okay. Because that would have been like your perfect opportunity to do like your return thing with uh, Britt winning the belt back. Yeah. But they only have the schedule up to the second week of January. And there's no uh, Pittsburgh in there. Okay. I'm all, I'm all for uh, even a brief run of Tay Conti on top. Anything yep. to keep uh, Nyla Rose and Hikaru Shida, uh, and, you know, the regulars from being up there. Riho, you know, like just being the normal challengers. No disrespect to Hikaru Shida, at least. Sure. But... Uh, uh, any other matches you want to give a bold prediction for? Um, 
I think everything else is going to be as is. I think like um, Jungle Boy is going to pin Adam Cole in the sixth person. Um, as I mentioned before, Jericho is going to pin Dan Lambert in the 10 man. <laughs> Cody Rhodes will single handedly pin both Andrade and Malachi Black at the same time and then like pronounce himself king of wrestling. <laughs> no, I'll, so I'll say this. Um, Cody gets left laying after the match. By Pack, maybe. Uh, Pack tentatively, but definitely. Like, it it leaves with Cody in, like, a bat. Like, Cody may win, but he's going to get laid out after the match. Okay. I can see that. All right, anything else before we move on? Just thinking through the rest of the card, like I said, um... Lucha Brothers, are they going to uh, win? Yeah, are the AAA belts on the line with this too? Is it? Is it like? It just says the AEW World Tag Team Championship, and Wikipedia has never been wrong. Uh, I could see them doing like some sort of like screwy finish where it's like maybe indecisive. Mm-hmm. Maybe get these guys doing like another round here because if like Lucha Brothers win this. Um, then the feud's technically over. If FTR win, then they're the AEW Tag Team Champions again. I think we do some sort of, like, fucky finish here where there's no clear, decisive winner to get more matches out of these guys. Yeah. And anything that stops this whole members of the pinnacle being, like, hired guns, like, aren't they supposed to be, like, the rich four horsemen type people, but they're just, like... Doing things for money on the side, it just doesn't. Yeah, MJF is the one canonically who's rich, and uh, you know this was a thing, a trope back in the '80s where you know Slick would regularly sell the contract of Hercules to Bobby Heenan, and then Bobby Heenan would sell the contract of Hercules to Ted DiBiase. Right? All right. Just the way things went back in wrestling, you know. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Joe. Well, that's enough about the pay per view. I have homework that I have to go over. Homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. And I think the levels on these should all be good as being played as part of the thing. I did a test when I did long box heroes this past week. And if the levels are too high in the final edit, we'll fix it. Okay. I'll tell you what, one thing about having the music playing live as we're recording is like, that's the first time I've heard that jingle since the wiki sent it to us. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, and it gives me a little break ski, but, yes. uh, this homework assignment that you gave myself as well as the audience was Chikara's Zelda the Greats, which was on November 10th, 2012, Joe. Um, all right. And this was obviously available on Jerry's Independent Wrestling.tv. Use promo code at odds to save zero free days. And uh, just started off from the beginning. Am I correct? Did I not? Commit a boo-boo. You didn't give me any, like, pre-show stuff, right? Nope, there was no, no pre-show I- stuff. And I would also want to mention, if you didn't get a chance to watch, but you still want to follow along, uh, our friend Kevin Hellions does his write-up of the show, uh, usually before we record, over on his website, masklibrary.com. Yep, absolutely. 
All right, so this starts off as many of the Chikara shows do, but luckily for me, many of the recent ones have not, and that is a Gavin Loudspeaker musical introduction, which I went ahead and skipped. Uh, our first matchup of the night is The Soul Touches versus The Batiri, and I gather that The Soul Touchers are local Chicago guys because this event takes place in Chicago. Yes. And obviously, Batiri are your just hated local heroes, or heroes, heels um, of Chikara. So there is lots of toilet paper streamers at the beginning of the match. Cobalt wore one of the strands of toilet paper for most of the match, which I do appreciate. The Batiri opening things off with some uh, some borderline racist heat from ripping up a picture of Barack Obama. I get it. He's a Chicago hero, but... Uh, Looks a little weird when you're about to face three men of color, but uh, you know, I'm sure that wasn't the intention. And I uh, think this was the weekend after he was elected, like to give you like a time frame. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, I, I get that that wasn't the context, but it's just you're looking at it through 2021 eyes and it just stands out a little bit. Sure. Um, one of the, the the standouts, I mean, there's a lot of standouts in the, the soul touches uh, because I just never seen these guys before. But the really big dude who went by the urban American dream, uh, he did a 50 count vertical suplex, which was really impressive. Uh, but basically, this match was a lot of Batiri cheating, Ophidian getting involved at ringside. The crowd obviously wants the hometown guys to win. The Batiri get the upset win when Cobalt hits the demon's toilet. So I'll say this. I know, um, you know, Kevin had mentioned it in his write-up and other people always say it. It's like, oh, man, X promotion came to Y town and the Y local act are so over. Why aren't they everywhere? Because they're over in that town. <laughs> and sometimes they just don't like to travel. Yeah. Sometimes they like being local. Um, I know earlier, maybe like a year or two prior, we, they had gotten like um, – Soul Touches out for King of Trios a couple times. I think they even got Soul Touches out to a Baltimore show that we did. But like I said, sometimes these guys just don't like to travel or it's a pain in the butt for them to travel or, you know, a million different reasons, you know, and it's another thing where it's a, it's an act, right? And you got to get like coordination on travel on like three people. And, you know, their, their previous manager, C-Red was on commentary and then they had like a valet diamond as well. So now like, you're trying to coordinate travel on five people, you know, to come across, you know, from Chicago to Philly or wherever it is. It's tough. Or, you know, sometimes the people just don't want to do it. They're like, no, I don't want to leave my town, you know? Sure. Uh, and also, I'll say this, uh, Marche, Mr. M80, Marche Rocket. Uh, I'd be remiss not to mention this here. Um He's one of those guys that I really wish got out more. And he's had a couple of cups of coffee here and there. I think he had like a brief stint in Impact maybe like seven, eight years ago. He's popped up in some prominent promotions here and there. However, uh, he works for a very prestigious children's charity. And he's also a model. So like wrestling is like third on the list of things that he's like passionate about. Oh, cool. Right on. Right. All right. Next up, we have a promo from former WWF two-time Hall of Famer, Sidney Bacabella. He comes out, cuts a promo about he's all about giving opportunity. Oh, that's that word again. Oh. Opportunity. <laughs> you know, there was two guys standing up against the wall wearing suits. I um, saw that. One of them looked like he was uh, ready for an opportunity. I'll tell you what. That dude, uh, that the wall was holding him up, not the other way around. Like, he was just like... 
like I don't know what was supporting what. That was a big dude. Um, but all right. So anyway, City's cutting a promo, talking about he's going to give these uh, these local guys uh, their opportunity. And out comes Wayne Campbell and Garth Algar, and he's got some opponents for them. It's Devastation Corporation, Max Smashmouth or Mass. Oh <laughs> Jesus Christ. Max Smash Mouth. You're lucky he doesn't listen to this show. He's got more oh. important things to do, like Shadow Book Thrills Us. <laughs> Max Smash Master and Blaster McMassive. Oh, God, I feel that's a funny one. Devastation Corporation. And they basically just squash uh, Wade and Garth, obviously. And it's just uh, continuing that, uh, that Road Warrior LOD demolition push that they're getting. Yeah, so, you know, obviously this comes after them, Devastation Corporation, pronouns pal, getting beaten by Demolition at night three of King of Trios. Does not get mentioned on commentary, and I think that's the best way to go. Um, Blaster McMassive looked a bit sloppy in this to go. Uh, There was supposed to be a bit in the match where he has the one guy press slammed up and is supposed to throw him to Max. But I don't think he looked to see if Max was ready and just threw the guy at Max. And kind of like made Max or made uh, Max Smashmaster kind of like stumble a bit and look shitty. Yeah. And then commentary uh, said that, uh, you know, uh, Max Smashmaster had to drop his opponent across the rope, but it was really just he couldn't catch him, you know? Yeah, it was a good cover. But, you know, if, you know, look like I know you guys are supposed to be an unstoppable killing and wrecking machine, but I don't know. Take a second to make sure that your partner's ready before you throw another human being at them. Yeah. And when uh, Blaster went to do like the one leap to the top rope, like uh, like overhead belly to belly suplex, he kind of bumble fucked that a little bit. But again, that's a huge feat of agility that I couldn't do if I tried a billion times uh, more so the throwing another human being at Max and him not being ready for it. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Next up is what many people, including Kevin Hellions in his write-up, consider the match of the night and one of my favorite matches, and that is El Generico versus The Shard. Uh, Generico, at this point, I think it's safe to say one of the most over people on the planet. Uh, and, you know, just, just during his entrance alone, like, a lot of guys in Chicago get great entrances, but Generico gets an amazing reaction. Um, he is jumped right off the rip by the Shard. Uh, Generico ends up eventually winning via the top turnbuckle brainbuster. But, I mean, this is, as far as I remember, really no underhandedness from the Shard. You know, nothing that jumped out. This was just a really good wrestling match uh, between two great wrestlers. And I'll let you do your thing, but I have a question for you regarding this when you're done. Yeah, so, uh, you know, obviously, I, I got a chance to know the Shard during this run. And, like, he was a guy that'd be in, like, tag and multi-man matches and really didn't get an opportunity to show what he could do. Um, but this was, like, I think his breakout match as a performer. Yeah. Um, and, obviously, you're in there with El Generico, but it always takes two to tango. Um, you know, I've seen El Generico have just really good matches as opposed to awesome matches like this one. And... Everyone in Chikara has, like, their value propositions, you know? It's, like, the world's most dangerous trio, or the this, or the that, where on the sheet of the things to say about El Generico, if you men- if you notice, they say it about six times during commentary, arguably the best wrestler in the world. And again, that was one of those things where, like, it was written down in a piece of paper to be like, make sure that you say this about El Generico. It's like, no, no, no. I could just watch El Generico wrestle. I don't need it to be written down in a piece of paper to say, it's like, oh, yeah, that guy's the best wrestler in the world. You just watch him and you just fucking know. Yeah. All right. So I have a question for you, just slightly on topic, slightly off topic. 
Um, obviously, there's a lot of people defecting to AEW these days. Sure. And uh, there's a lot of contracts that are speculated that are going to end in a couple months, you know, in the new year, whatever. Or sooner. Um, sure. Yeah. Let's say one day soon, uh, just totally unrelated, that Sami Zayn, his contract ends and he leaves the WWE. Okay. If, if you were Tony Khan and you wanted to have a big reveal, would you sign Sami Zayn and then have him debut as like whatever his new indie name is? Or do you go down to Mexico and find that orphanage and then sign and debut El Generico? Like, which do you think would have the bigger, like, let's talk about the first night pop, like Generico or whatever the new Sami Zayn is? So I think having a Syrian Canadian resident um appropriate mexican culture in 2022 may not go over as much as it did in 2011 2012 so i think the time of him being el generico is over but maybe you just have a random mask character who doesn't have any sort of latino connotation to him generic luchador or otherwise and then people speculate that it's Sami Zayn, and then you do like uh, a Midnight Rider esque thing like that. Okay. Um, you know, because I think he can be El Generico, like a guy in a mask who does like babyface stuff without being a fake Mexican guy. Gotcha. Well, again, you're mixing up the two completely different people, but I right, get right. Oh, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious what your take would be for that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So next up, we have Fist. Johnny Gargano, which again, my friggin' computer autocorrects to Garbanzo, uh, and Chuck Taylor, excuse me, versus Soldier Ant and Deviant. And obviously, this is the first of many Wink Vavasaur, you know, Chikara Metrics mixed up teams, uh, because obviously, Soldier Ant's a, a good guy and Deviant's a bad guy, but unwilling partners paired up again due to the Chikara Metrics. Icarus on commentary, I think, does a really good job uh, at points. Uh, he compares both teams to the Rockers for pretty much the same reasons. And uh, and at one point, he starts speaking in tongues and just having a lot of gibberish and then talking to uh, Sugar Dunkerton. So it kind of goes off the rails there. But I liked Icarus at first on this. Um, eventually, Soldier Ant lays out Deviant, uh, gets caught in the Fist finisher, and Fist wins. Uh, match itself was fine. Uh, one of the matches where it's, you know, colony and evil colony where they're not getting along. Uh, Icarus is a friend, but he fucking ruined this match on commentary. Yeah. Like all the, like the, the squeaking and like, I was like, that's yeah, it was too much. Yeah. Um, next up we have Mike Quackenbush versus Colt Cabana. I skipped the match. I heard Colt Cabana won. Oh, it was a good match. This is my kind of match where they're doing like, you know, uh, American white guy appropriation of the British style. Uh, Finish kind of comes out of nowhere. Uh, They had a match earlier in the year, I think maybe over anniversary weekend. I don't remember if we watched the show or not, but now they're tied up at one apiece in singles matches. They have the rubber match, as DJ would say, over on We Need Wrestling at uh, National Pro Wrestling Day 2013 which is like February in the timeline. Uh, this is my kind of wrestling. I like the match. Okay. 
Next up, we have Jigsaw, Fire Ant, and Assailant versus the Bravado Brothers and Jimmy Jacobs. Uh, one nice touch that I'm sure they've done it every single time, but I, I mentioned how I, I do like the Bravado Brothers. I, I just noticed that they they fold up their ring jackets all nice and perfectly before they hand them to the attendant. It's a nice little touch. Wait a minute, but, Adam. Yes. Did you say Harlem Bravado? <laughs> this is the Andre Chase. What? Oh, is that is that the same guy? Uh Sure. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I, I really like the bravados. The bravados, like this gimmick. Um, it's something that they were cultivating in Ring of Honor, but I don't think they were getting an opportunity. There's that word again to really do this sort of character based stuff. And they just kind of lucked into like being able to do like very heavy character stuff here in Chikara to help kind of cultivate that sort of thing. All right. So we have another reluctant team of bad and good ants. Uh, LFC, Leonard F. Jakarson, and quite possibly one of uh, his worst commentary gaffes. He says that Majora's Mask was the best Zelda game. Uh, at that point, I was glad that he got hit by that bus because everybody <laughs> knows the correct answer, at least for that time period, is Ocarina of Time. That is the best one. But uh, real heel work from that, that dastardly guy. Um, Assailant is a little bit more of a team player than in our previous match when we saw Deviant, like he's trying to to get along, like he's trying to assist his teammates without like, um, he's not like trying to shoehorn in cheating. You know, he's just like, hey, I'm here. Let me let me contribute. And there was a lot of chance of like, be his friend, be his friend. Uh, at one point, Fire Ant is like pushed out of the way, out of danger by Assailant, which was like a cool spot that like, hey, like maybe Assailant's at least coming around, you know? Um, but however, Fire Ant's reluctance to, to take the help from Assailant indirectly leads to their team losing, uh, Jimmy Jacobs and the Bravados win. Uh, I like this match. I thought it was good. Um, you know, obviously going into the Cybernetico match, uh, building things up. And uh, I don't think I was that terrible on a commentary. <laughs> well, like I said, you're, you're, you're fine. Other than that one comment, because that one comment, you know, sometimes you lose your credibility with saying one bad take. I've, I, I've heard, I've never had a bad take, but that's what I hear when I, I read about. Gotcha. Uh, next up we have Gran Akuma versus Tim Dance with Jakob Hammermeyer. Joe, I have a lot of, uh, axes to grind with this match. Uh, first of all, I get that it wasn't Jakob's match, but we did not have Jakob run out and do an introduction. So negative seven points there. And we also did not get uh, the old BDK uh, theme music with the whistling and all that stuff. So that's another negative six. Um, so not happy about that. Just fast forward. This is just basically Donce channeling his inner Raven and treating Jakob like crap. And Donce wins. Jakob looks sad. And I didn't really get much of the, the, the match itself. I'm not a Gran Akuma guy. I think that's what it is. Yeah, I like Akuma, but I, I get where you're coming from. Um... You know, him being paired with 3.0, I definitely think helps on the Chikara personality scale level, however you want to slice it there. Um, and Kevin in his write-up uh, had it, I think, just connect, maybe click, that uh, Donst and Jakob are supposed to be Raven and Stevie Richards. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a that's a pretty good take. And, and, no, and knowing the person that kind of assisted with um, the promos and stuff, I would absolutely say that person was heavily influenced by his love and fandom of sad Scotty Flamingo. <laughs> All right, next up, 
the match that I think you built up the most. So I went into this with the loftiest of expectations. And that is the four-way tag team match between 3.0, the throwbacks, which is obviously Dasher, Hatfield, and Mr. Touchdown, versus Sugar Dunkerton and Icarus representing Fist, versus the mysterious and handsome stranger and his partner, Sapphire the Rabbit. I'm sorry, Sapphire the Feral Pigeon. Right, the Feral Pigeon. Now, I just want to, before you get into the match itself, I want to just throw this out here. Goddamn Matt Lee with the cheapest of cheap, like, uh... Uh, like baby face shit coming out wearing a Cubs jacket. You don't <laughs> even like the Cubs. You like the Expos, you son of a bitch. Yeah, that seemed uh, that seemed out of place. Like I, I thought, <laughs> like, like has 3.0 been baby faces or have they been heels? Like I always kind of got the vibe that they were kind of like heels. No, they've always been baby faces. They're just kind of like over the top, you know. Okay. Yeah. You know what? They've never really done anything nefarious, but I've always just kind of, you know, when you watch like Ever Rise, they're, they're like lovable heels type of deal, you know? Right. All right. So uh, before the match, we have uh, the Mysterious Stranger, Mysterious and Handsome Stranger cutting a promo with Sapphire on his shoulder. So I just want to throw that out there. And I also am a little bit sad and maybe it's our, our punishment for his commentary earlier, but Icarus didn't really do any crowd work. Maybe they're running short on time, but I like Icarus going around and mean mugging people and like starting fights, but uh, there was none of you, that. You see him almost go over to that woman who was like right in the corner as everyone was coming out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, like, and like he goes, he comes back, he's about to say something, and then he's like, no, nah, I thought better of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, at one point in the match, we have a spontaneous music uh, starts playing a dance-off between Jagged Parker and Sugar Dunkerton. We get a spin rooney from Parker. Um, at another point, we have Icarus depriving the crowd of Dunkerton versus Dasher, because obviously when they got in the ring, there was a huge reaction. We have... Uh, and Kevin mentioned this in his write-up. It's still one of my favorite spots. Dasher basically bending somebody's leg, in this case Icarus, so that their foot's caught in their trunks and they're basically submitting themselves. Uh, very good spot. I believe this is the second time you've had me see this in a show homework. And Icarus is going for the rope break, but the referee is like counting it as well as you're trying to get extra leverage on your submission. So it's just this snake that's eating itself. Uh, I really like that stuff. Uh, we eventually get Mr. Touchdown and the Mysterious and Handsome Stranger in the ring, and the roof comes off the arena. It's like Hogan and Rock at WrestleMania, because <laughs> obviously this is what uh, a lot of people, for some reason, thought that the Mysterious and Handsome Stranger was going to somehow champion Mixed Martial Archie's cause, you know, because obviously we haven't seen MMA in a while, and uh, Mysterious and Handsome Stranger just seems like the guy who would take his place in that feud, so crowd was going nuts for that. We get the hot tag from Sapphire with all the tandem offense between the stranger and Sapphire. And this, and Sapphire actually gets a two and three quarters count on Mr. Touchdown. It was very, very close to, to Sapphire getting the pin. Um, at this point, the match takes a pretty dark turn. And uh, it's really, it's kind of hard to, to talk about it, you know, but in this kind of carefree podcast that we do, but uh, Mr. Touchdown gets his hands on Sapphire and uh, basically kills Sapphire, you know, crushes, crushes her, stomps her. Uh, everybody's repulsed. The crowd is just a silent gasp. Uh, the opponents of the mysterious and handsome stranger and Sapphire can't believe it. The ref can't believe it. Even Veronica herself, somebody who's 
very strongly been in Mr. Touchdown's corner. Even she's repulsed. She can't believe that that Mr. Touchdown would do that. And uh, it, it just it was hard to kind of rebound because the room was just deflated after that. But uh, Matthews eventually defeats uh, Icarus via the Boston Crab, gets rid of him. Uh, 3.0 gets the pin at the very end and two points. Because I forget, this was an elimination match. So when Sapphire got killed, you know, Sapphire and the Stranger got eliminated and uh, yada, yada, yada. 3.0 gets the pin and two points. But uh, very, very concerned with what is going to happen with the mysterious and handsome Stranger now that Sapphire isn't there to kind of, you know, keep him in check and give him the wisdom and all that stuff. Right, being his guiding light, yes. So when I hyped this up, Adam, is this what you expected to happen in this match? Uh, You had said that this was a huge turning point in the story, in the lore, if you will, of the mysterious and handsome stranger. While if, again, I speculate, because I have literally no idea what's going to happen next. I I do not, like, you could, whatever, I'm not going to speculate. I thought we were going to get either a, a reveal of some kind, a different persona being taken on. Um, if the big turn in the storyline is just that Veronica is slightly repulsed at Mr. Touchdown, uh, or that the pigeon that I've only seen one and a half times before is killed off. Uh, I don't think it paid off on that, that, that push that you gave it. Uh, I liked it. Like, I, I would have been very upset with you if I didn't see this, because, again, it is a major it's a big beat in the story. But I don't think it's like yeah. this major earth shattering, like you won't believe what happens in the the story of, you know, mysterious and handsome stranger. So, uh, you know, it's kind of somewhere in the middle. All right. They killed a bird, man. Eh, there's a million more out there just in New York <laughs> City alone. <laughs> All right. So next up, the main event for the Campionas de Parejas. The Young Bucks, the champions, versus the Spectral Envoy of Ultramantis Black and Hollow Wicked. We have a Young Bucks promo before the match where they basically call their opponents the Special Envoy. Uh, just more of the those good guy bucks with their good guy promos, you know? Hey, I want to throw uh, this in here. Adam. Yeah. Yes. Uh, this promo sucked shit. Yeah, it did. <laughs> it was real bad. And if I didn't know that the Bucks were goody two-shoes, I would have guessed that they were drunk or high or both during this promo. Did you know that they pay their phone bill with super kicks, Joe? Uh-huh. They sure do. <laughs> uh, acai moon salts pay the mortgage. Pass the uh-huh. acai moon salt. <laughs> uh-huh. They <laughs> yeah, sure do. It was bad. <laughs> it was real fucking bad. Um, so again, this is a, a two out of three falls as I have been recently informed all tag team championship matches are the bucks very quickly take the first fall with a spike tombstone pile driver on ultra mantis. This is a callback to them doing the same thing to mantis at King of trios, I believe, right? Correct. All right. Look at me knowing my Chikara history. Um, so this basically leaves Hollow Wicked on his own for a while, you know, fighting off the double teams. You know, Mantis is starting to stir. Hollow Wicked gets in some offense, but it's pretty much a two-on-one beatdown for a while until Ultra Mantis is, you know, kind of gets his wits about him. Uh, Hollow Wicked hits the go-to-sleepy hollow on Nick Jackson to get the second fall. Both of the falls, the first two falls happen relatively quickly. Uh, the Batiri comes out, starts distracting Hollow Wicked, and, uh, you know, uh, Delirious is up in, like, the rafters, the Batiri. Ophidian. 
Oh, Ophidian was. I apologize. Yeah, exactly. Ophidian's up at the top. Whatever. Uh, they're distracting Holloway. And Mantis has the Bucks in the Chikara special. Ophidian comes in, sprays his mist in Mantis's face. Doesn't really affect Mantis that much because he kicks out of the next attempt. Uh, more bang for your buck on Ultra Mantis, and the Young Bucks retain. This match is good. Uh, the boss has his working shoes on. Um, I like when uh, the first fall by the heels comes out like super quick like that. Yeah. Uh, in a two out of three falls, like in a two out of three falls match, when the baby faces either come out and get like their the first pinfall like super quick, or the heels get that pinfall the first pinfall super quick. I love it. But then when the second fall comes so much quickly after the first fall, it's like, well, then why do we do the first two falls so quickly? Just have this be a one fall match. Match is good. Not great. Uh, I think it was just like a step below everyone in the, in the, what we call in the matches, like normal level. Yeah. Um, yeah. I came out of it thinking like, obviously their trios match at King of Trios was, was significantly better. You know, obviously there's more moving parts than that, but mm-hmm. this I didn't like the interference. I, I liked selling the fact that Ultra Mantis was eliminated and Holloway could have to fight him off, but there was too much outside schmas going on. Yep. But overall, I like the show. Like I said, I, I skipped a match and a half of it, you know, and, uh, but what I saw, I liked, and mm-hmm. uh, we're continuing some of the storylines that uh, I'm very much interested in. And I, uh, as always, I liked the comedy shit that happened in the big four on four tag team match, you know? Yeah, and I'm not going to give you any shit for skipping stuff. You skip stuff. Uh, if if it was important, I'll yell at you, you know? Yeah. I think I know where to pick my spots. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, obviously, no show homework this week because of the pay-per-view. And then uh, no homework the week after that because another pay-per-view. Oh. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, because this Saturday is uh, uh, AEW, and then next Sunday is uh, Survivor Series. Oh, Survivor Series snuck right up on us. Right. Not that you're going to be here for that week's show anyway. Yeah, that is true. Get a week off. Mm -hmm. Pure relaxation. (laughs) Right. So I guess it's time for you to face the music. The gender-neutral monarch of At-Odds Wrestling. So how was your weekend regarding all this, Adam? I'm going to be completely honest with you, Joe. Completely, like, unaffected. Apparently there's a lot of drama going on over the polls. But here's the thing. I put up some polls, and people vote in them, Joe. And what happens at the end of the day I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. So uh, a lot of people coming at me. And by a lot of people, I mean like four vocal Pod Van Dam listeners who don't even listen to this podcast, but just saw the tweets that are just like, just like really mad at me for not allowing Hook to run rough shot all over this tournament. Just because like Ed, you know, tried to get everybody from AEW to retweet it because somehow that's more fair than like trying to signal boost the the poll in other places. But whatever, you know, teach their own. You can all have your opinions. Um, I don't think any of our regular listeners would have enjoyed having Hook advance through this just because, you know, some trolls managed to get retweets. But any damage that I allegedly might have done was 
so, 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 so insignificant compared to the fact that Virtual Pros caught wind of this tournament and tweeted about it and therefore got the attention of Danhausen himself, which just in that essence added like 400 votes <laughs> to his side. Uh, so whatever. Uh, I, I don't think me retweeting something with my dopey 500 followers, 400 of which aren't real, uh, really did anything. So uh, I got nothing to do with this tournament. This is all you, Adam. It's all the listeners. Uh-huh. I just put it's, it out into the ether. These are the listeners that you've attracted. And, it's, and that's you even said it yourself. It's not even people that listen. It's Pod Van Dam people that don't even listen to our show that are trying to support Ed, who made his pick without consulting with the other members of Pod Van Dam. Not that the three of them would have been able to agree on anything uh, <laughs> regarding this, but... Every time that I saw a new thread started about this, even though I, for my personal account, was not tagged or associated with, in it, I would mute the thread because I was just sick and tired of seeing this shit, right? <laughs> um, if I cared, I would say you posting it in the Major Wrestling Figure Facebook group may have been a little bit of dirty pool, but again, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, so how did everything end up shaking out as we get to the finals here, Adam? All right. So obviously the semifinals was two matches. We had Danhausen versus Hook and we had Jocelyn Navarro versus Hollow Wicked. And in quite possibly one of the most devastating ass whoopings of a beating, Danhausen defeated Hook with 66% of the vote. And that is with 471 votes, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but Danhausen will advance to the finals. And Danhausen will face the winner of the other matchup, which with 64% of the vote and 246 total votes, Hollowicket advances over Jocelyn Navarro. So we have our final set as Danhausen versus Hollowicket, correct? That is correct. Now, uh, we are recording early next week. Uh, so I guess it's like one less day to vote on this, yes? Yeah, like I even messed up the votes, uh, the timetable. Like the polls literally just ended like five minutes ago as we're recording this. Uh, but yeah, I will have it set so that they will go live Friday, uh, the 12th, around like 11 noon, whatever. And they will go until Wednesday afternoon sometime. Gotcha. And I, I, I would like to mention this here. Soft launch, you know. We're not going to do kind of like what Pod Van Dem does where they have a weekly question, but we do have an at odds with wrestling hotline set up uh, 570-846-0897. I'll make sure to put that in the show post and get it out on social media and stuff. You know, we get messages. We'll play them. Uh, I probably won't listen to them beforehand, you know, so I'm going to take that risk as well. (laughs) Um, But we did get a call, Adam. Uh, Somebody had uh, very strong opinions in regards to the finals here that were set up uh, for the uh, gender-neutral monarch of at odds. Okay. This is the broadsword of Nas Maldun, Hollowicked, here to give my comments on the At Odds with Wrestling Podcast 2021 Gender-Neutral Monarch Tournament. What a mouthful. Wouldn't you know it, your finalists this year, representing the Eastern Bloc, myself, Hollowicked. And from the Western bracket, fellow occultist, the incomparable Danhausen. 
If you know my taste in wrestling tournaments, you already know I think every spot should be occupied by vampires, zombies, necromancers, and orcs. So these finals track for me. But this isn't a wrestling tournament. It's a voting tournament, a.k.a. a popularity contest. And I haven't won a single popularity contest in my long and dreadful life. But what's really at the rotten heart of the matter is not only have you put Hollow Wicked in a position where winning depends on him being liked, but we have the overseers of the tournament going out of their way to corrupt the results and make it about themselves instead of the wrestlers. Known scumbag Ed Cody goes and puts Hook, son of Taz, in the tournament. Hook, son of Taz, a man who has weekly national television exposure in a tournament otherwise filled with freelance wrestlers. Hey, Ed, I have an idea for another tournament. We're going to take 15 unsigned bands with no global marketing machine behind them and the Beatles and ask people to vote on who should move on. I call it that 2021 Ed Cody's a piece of gender neutral Rocktoberfest. When I do win this tournament, I'm going to dedicate my victory to the participants you used as fodder for your own ego. My man Bojack, an honorary member of the Church of Nas Maldun, the poor, both of whom have more integrity in their little finger than you do in your entire body. But hold up. Against all odds, Hook falls to Danhausen in the semifinal round. Now listen, Danhausen's a phenomenon, unlike I've seen in my 20 years of wrestling. If anyone was going to beat Hook, son of Taz, it was going to be Danhausen. But for reasons I already stated, they shouldn't be possible. Oh, what's this? Lower than dirt trash person Adam Van does everything in his power to taint the results by campaigning in the depths of the Internet's darkest places for his favorite Dantenhausen to win. Was a single standard for how voting was conducted in this tournament set, or was it just a free-for-all of cronyism and corruption? Adam Van, you are beneath my contempt, and I will spit on your grave. Ed, Adam, where is your integrity? You crushed the spirit of this tournament to serve your own selfish ends. Really, the only way this year's tournament can be saved, the only reason this tradition should carry on next year, is with Hollowicked winning. Only that can wash away the stain of underhandedness the two of you have left on it. So when you vote in the finals, vote for Hollowicked. And know that you're voting for the very soul of this tournament. Maybe the soul of the entire At Odds with Wrestling podcast. Dare I say, maybe even the souls of Ed and Adam themselves. Well, Adam. <laughs> I don't know. He well, makes a good case. Uh, he does. I, I honestly, I can't argue with anything he said. I, I, let me just piece this together real quick. First of all, we have to retire the voicemail because it's all downhill from there. <laughs> Like there's really there's no point in continuing beyond that. That that was top notch. Uh secondly, when he was burying Ed Cody, uh felt a little jealous there. I was hoping I was getting buried next, so he delivered. <laughs> uh would have been real sad if that whole thing was just about Ed. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but uh top notch, just stellar, stellar, stellar performance. I, I honestly I do not know. I mean, if Danhausen wants to call the phone number next, we'll, we'll put it on in the middle of the week. I don't know, but uh, no, but that that was amazing. Uh, I do genuinely fear for my soul now, and I hope Hollowicked does win so that he can kind of cleanse the podcast and the the tournament. But 
Again, I am a, I'm calling it right down the middle. I'm just putting the votes up. I'm a silly boy doing a silly bit. And uh... <laughs> Well, listen, I just want to say this. You and Ed doing your silly boy bits have run you afoul of both Hollow Wicked and Dominic Guarini. Who's next? <laughs> Who, who, who are you, you going to get under the skid of next? <laughs> oh, I know. I, I, I write a lot of – my mouth writes a lot of checks that my body can't cash. <laughs> There's a lot less of your body these days, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that, that was top-notch. Just kudos to you, Joe, for, number one, setting up the voicemail and, uh, you know, figuring out how to put it into the show. So, <laughs> you know, those are all – all things that are above my pay grade, but uh, yeah. So anybody who listens to that, you know, by all means, voting starts tomorrow. You can vote for Hollow Wicked and save the podcast and save the tournament, or you can vote for the other guy, uh, Dan Housen. <laughs> well, no, no. It's so voting for Hollow Wicked not only saves the tournament, uh-huh. not only saves the soul of the show, but it also saves the individual souls of you and Ed. <laughs> I'm gonna go back, honestly, God. Once this, I don't ever listen to the show that much back i'll go and listen to that again i'm not gonna lie so i'll be much more familiar with everything that he damned me with <laughs> by next week's episode uh i'm very i'm very excited for that voicemail and uh if you think you can top hollow wicked's voicemail uh you're wrong but by all means as joe said call 570-846-0897 uh, we do not have a purple button, but we're willing to take any defectors from any other podcast want to call us and, and talk about whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, that was awesome. So, hey, uh, plug time. Don't forget to actually do your uh, picks in the Longbox Heroes Pigskin Pickums. We talk a little bit more about it on Longbox Heroes, the fact that sometimes like the picks just don't take correctly. Yeah. Because uh, the ESPN site kind of sort of sucks. Uh, I'm still very cushy in my 32nd place. Um, I know Todd is in first. You're right on his heels. And uh, unfortunately, I see King Marcus has dropped a little bit further. Uh, if you're a listener of this show and you're Jake Strap, let us know. Because uh, it's making Todd upset that he doesn't know who you are. Yeah. So, like, if, if you don't, whoever you are, if you don't introduce yourself, we're going to boot you. <laughs> because... No, well, so I, I told Todd, I go, you can't boot the guy. <laughs> uh, but obviously if he doesn't if he wins and he doesn't come forward then it goes to the next person that's won which is Todd but there's still what nine more weeks left in the football season plenty of time and, and I, I would like you to take this time to apologize because last week you buried me you're like oh you slipped down a bunch of spots I'm in second place I'm one win out of first <laughs> and again uh, so- you you pointed you still got out two more. You got two people to beat before you get into first. How could you be in second when there's two people in front of you? Well, the two people in front of me are tied. So uh-huh. they, and then I have the second best record. So I'm I'm tied for second place. Unless there's a three in front of your name on this list. They do that because technically there's two people in first. <laughs> I know, I know, but I'm just <laughs> for someone who doesn't care. You sure care a lot. All I know is that. Uh, Mr. Uh, King Marcus went uh, for my crown, and I I took my size 15 boot and I knocked him down a couple notches. How many pairs of socks you wear with those size 15s? <laughs> I have legit size 15 shoes, Joe. Let's not make a thing of it. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, but hey, uh, you can help us out as well uh, by making purchases through our T Public store. Currently, everything's 35 percent off. 
Uh, like I said, I think there's like four days left in the entire month of November where everything's not 35% off. And you can get a bunch of designs inspired by uh, add-outs with wrestling, uh, Final Wrestling Place, Hit My Music, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark on anything from shirts to cell phone covers to notebooks to throw pillows, all sorts of things. Check that out. That's in the link with the show notes. Adam mentioned earlier, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, a.k.a. IndependentWrestling.tv. Um, I know Hot Sauce Tracy Williams has been ripping it up as we record the last two weeks in a row on Beyond's Uncharted Territory. Go back and check those out. The new subscribers get nothing if you use the promo code at odds. It just lets Jerry know that we came, uh, that we referred you to him. Uh, another way that you can help us out, of course, is making any and all of your Amazon purchases as the holiday season is readily approach- approaching through our affiliate link, which is in the show notes to every single one of these posts for every single one of these episodes does not cost you anything extra. They Amazon call it an advertising fee because if it wasn't for us, you would not know that Amazon existed. I call it the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click through this past week include a Yeti Rambler mag slider replacement lid. That's a lot of words. I don't understand any of them. (laughs) As someone who has the giant, like, 40-ounce Yeti-to-go travel mug, the the lid for it is three pieces. A big, giant plastic piece, a rubber ring that goes around it, and a little magnetic slider, okay? Okay. Um, On no less than two separate occasions, when cleaning... Uh, the whatever it is, I put every, I clean it, I dry it, I put it all back together, and invariably, like, something happens where the lid falls off, the counter hits the floor, and that little magnet piece on the top just shoots across my kitchen, and it, I lose it. So I have to go and buy a whole new lid. So I got three lids at my house, and only one magnet slider. Okay. So you can't go to the Yeti site and buy just the magnetic slider. You can't go to Amazon and just buy the slider. You got to buy the whole piece together. So I'm only imagining the person who bought this was either me in a fugue state or somebody <laughs> who's experienced the same thing in cleaning their gigantic uh, Yeti tumbler. It's the Yeti, uh, the Yeti, <laughs> the Yeti Rambler mag slider replacement lid opportunity. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it's an opportunity on me. I, I want to yeah. buy just the magnetic slider, not the whole piece. Uh, somebody also purchased the World Wrestling Entertainment Fan Takeover uh, Jeff Hardy Ultimate Edition. No. Uh, I guess it's an Amazon exclusive. Uh, we are a uh, toy boy, doll dude, plaything person podcast. So thank you for making your doll purchases with us. Yeah, and I, I might have some more information about that later on in the show. Like, I, oh. I know I know who bought that. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and then I think what do we have? Some um, uh, we have some podcasts and like friends to mention here as well. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, there's some other podcasts you should listen to. First, go back and listen to that voicemail from Halloween a couple times. But if you have some, <laughs> if you have some spare time after that, go listen to Longbox Heroes, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Hit My Music, Wrestling Cheers, Between the Sheets, Viewers Choice. Pod Van Dam, IWTV Guide, Hellions Talks, and uh, Joe, there's one other podcast normally I have in here, and I will still include them in the plugs, and that is the A Show. 
Uh, I'm not really going to give this a lot of time, but if you happen to have made the mistake of listening to their most recent podcast this week, uh, they kicked me out of the tournament of uh, champions, unjustfully so. And I do have just a real quick written statement to just, <laughs> uh, regarding the situation. Uh, if you'll indulge me, I'm just going to go ahead and read it. And it is for the hosts of the A-Show. <clears throat> Fuck you. End statement. Uh, that's that's really all I got to say about it. Uh, the whole tournament is a sham. I am the champion, but uh, whatever. You know, good luck, Tim. But uh, that's all I got to say about that. Well, the boar's in there too. Ed's in there too. You know. Yeah. Good luck, Tim. Uh, listen, <laughs> I I I didn't want to come right out and say you shouldn't be pushing your luck, but uh, I think you pushed and you pushed and you pushed, and I listened. And, uh, again, you, you put them into a corner and they were either going to give in or push back and they pushed back. Uh, you know, either way, I think it would have ended bad for someone. I'm sad that it ended badly for you. Yeah. Well, my run is over, but yeah, like you said, I guess, ah, Tim and the boar, I'm not going to, I'm not going to root for Ed Cody for Christ's sake, but, uh, and, uh, I guess Dewicky, Dewicky's in there too, you know? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dewicky, David Kincannon of Hit My Music is in there, the Jingle Meister. So there's a lot of representation of the network and network adjacent, even though you kind of uh, ruined it for yourself. That You could say that, but I mean, I, I didn't. I, I feel like, again, I'm not going to go on this, but the A-Show really shot themselves in the foot by not having their champion on there. It's, uh, it is what it is, but go listen to the A-Show. And and I don't know when it's going to get released, but this upcoming Monday, uh, I'm recording an episode of Five Star Match Game hosted by Joe Gagne. It's oh. going to be myself against Rob Naylor against Mike Falcone. Uh, previous guests on the show, I think the three of us were on there when we did ECW. This time we'll be testing our knowledge of Saturday night's main event. Okay, yeah, I was going to say that that was the uh, the the trios match, the the three-way dance of your first appearance on there. Right, so we're back again. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's just from 85 to 92. It doesn't get into, like, the post-92 stuff. It doesn't get into, like, the relaunch of Saturday Night's Main Event in, like, the mid-2000s or whatever. It's just the good period of Saturday Night's Main Event. <laughs> that sounds like five years that didn't exist and two years it did. Okay. All right. My, well, again, they, they did it on uh, the house show when they went back through all those uh, original Saturday Night's main events. And, like, it was so much fun listening to those again. And, uh, yeah, again, I I feel confident in my knowledge and my memory of that time frame. But Rob's a tough one. Mike's a tough one. It's going to be a fun uh, record. Hopefully it ends up being a fun listen for all of you folks out there. Yeah, I'm going to definitely check it out. I enjoy that. I think I think that's it for the, the proper show, Joe. That's right. So, again, if you... Uh, are not into all the weekly purchases we bid you adieu because right now it's some might cost a little some might cost a lot but I'm the hundred dollar Vansky and your figures will be bought <laughs> Now, Joe, I didn't realize in the past couple episodes, I came out of the break chuckling just at the thought of the music. Now I'm actually hearing it. 
I can't believe Kevin Ford, my former favorite indie wrestling commentator, says that he hates that jingle. I, I can't believe that. Well, I'll I'll say this in the interest of transparencies with the testing of the drop in the music and the voicemails and stuff in. Uh, I'm using a fr- uh, just a free like soundboard thing, you know, and before we started recording, I'm putting everything in, you know, and then for some reason, the the Vansky uh, purchases theme is like not playing properly. And mm-hmm. I said, "Ooh, I'm taking this as an omen that we need to drop that theme altogether. And Adam, ref- he put his foot down. He refused. <laughs> he said, I'm walking off the show if you take out my theme song. And uh, I figured out another way to get it in there. <laughs> Yeah, as much as a lot of people out there would love it if I took my ball and went home, Phil, Phil from Chicago style, uh, Todd won't take my place, so Joe's stuck with me, so the the, the jingle's got to stay. <laughs> right, so I got a bunch of purchases, but I think you got more than me this week. Uh, you know what? Uh, amazingly, I do. I have a couple. I'll, I'll just do one or two quick ones. Uh, speaking of Amazon, we mentioned during the, uh, the click purchases. Uh, that somebody had purchased the Jeff Hardy Ultimate Edition. And if you listen to Final Wrestling Place, Marcus talked about reaching out to uh, reaching out to his boy here, that he was looking for that figure. It did go up, not for American ordering, if this makes sense. So <laughs> uh, a couple months ago, the Jeff Hardy Ultimate Edition and the Hulk Hogan both went up for pre-order at the same time for like five minutes. And uh, they were just on Amazon for pre-order. And the Hogan one has since restocked. The Hardy one never did. So, like, every once in a while, like, even if you listen to the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast, there was that episode a couple weeks ago where Broski went nuts because they're like, it's a suck, it's a suck, order now. Remember that one? Yeah. That that was the Hogan Amazon exclusive. Uh, So, long story short, the Jeff Hardy never popped up again. But Amazon UK has them in stock. Like, just like, hey, they're here, order them. And with Prime, they're like 46 bucks shipped. Okay. For like a $33 Ultimate that you can't get anywhere. That's like not crazy. You know, that's basically like buying it from ringside and paying shipping. Uh, so I, I reached out to Marcus about that, and I also ordered one. Uh, so my Ultimate collection is, uh, as of now, at least based on when I started collecting Ultimates, is complete. Mm-hmm. So uh, the other real quick thing I did order from Amazon, uh, they did those Amazon exclusive AEW two packs. Like there was a Moxley Darby Allen two pack and an SCU two pack. I didn't care about any of those, but I did uh, order because this is another item that was just never in stock, but uh, it popped up. So I grabbed it and it is the Hangman Kenny Omega two pack. Oh, okay. And I think it's pretty much the same exact figures. I know the SCU two-pack is completely different gear, but everybody else's I think maybe comes with a different accessory or maybe a different hand or something like that. I think the Darby comes with a different skateboard, if I remember. Yeah. And do Kenny and Hangman come with the tag titles or no? Yeah, they do come with the tag titles. Okay, so at least there's that, you know? Yeah. I, and they're just real nice presentation. You know, I don't have – I have a couple Hangman figures. I don't have a Kenny think if you're going to have a Kenny Omega and it's not uh, an Orange Cassidy Pac three-pack, uh, then I think having a two-pack with Hangman is a pretty good situation. So I ordered that as well. Yeah, timely with the pay-per-view this weekend. Exactly. What about you, Joe? What, what's something you got? Well, uh, it officially started this past Friday, but every year uh, the Toy Boys, the major wrestling figure, Broski and Hawkins, do their holiday toy drive. 
um, send brand new wrestling toys uh, to their P.O. Box, uh, P.O. Box 339 Merrick, New York 11566. Uh, needs to get there um, by, what is it, the 9th of December, because I think the 9th of December is when they're also doing the live show, which is the big meet and greet uh, with the big wrestling show. Uh, tons of AEW folks are going to be there in addition to uh, your major wrestling figure folks. Uh, Broski is going to be there. Uh, Hawkins is going to be there. Swaggo is going to be there. Stang is going to be there. Joe Shoe is going to be there. Ethan Page is going to be there. Cabana is going to be there. Chris Statlander is going to be there. Uh, Max Caster, Maven, the very controversial VSK, <laughs> and uh, Smart Mark are going to be there. And I'm sure more people will get added as it gets closer to the show. Uh, but if you order through Ringside Collectibles, use the promo code MAJOR, save 10%. Um, and put the shipping address as the major toy drive address. You don't get knocked on shipping for it. So I do it every year. I usually drop about 30 bucks, um, you know, after tax and everything. And I just did basics because I figured, the you know, more people getting stuff. And I got the uh, WrestleMania series, Drew McIntyre, series 113, Becky Lynch, 114, Rhea Ripley, 116, Kevin Owens. Nice. I, I've been meaning to put a ringside order in for a couple couple things that have been eluding me out, out on doll safaris, and uh, I will definitely add, you know, a couple basics, maybe if they have some retros, you know, whatever. You know, kids don't care if it's a, an ultimate, you know, right. or the hottest new figure, you know, just having something to open is is all that matters. So, uh, and, and ringside does have a lot of inexpensive figures that you could just send right to the toy drive. So that's an awesome thing that they do, you know? Exactly. Um, speaking of the toy boys, when I went to the excite wrestling show, there was a lot of people were telling me, Oh, you got to check out the toy store. That's like right next to the venue that excite runs at. And I'm like, well, shit, I better check this out. I better like, I hope I go early enough that it's not cleaned out by all the major marks that are going to be filling this place up. Uh, apparently it was one of those, you know, like every mall has the sports store that sells like overpriced football jerseys and then if you want a, a santa garden gnome with like a steelers jersey like it's that type of store it's like all the weird sports stuff yeah yeah so they had one of those and then they had a little section that had some figures but it was mostly starting lineups mcfarland sports figures maybe your random marvel legend here or there but it was it was barely a toy store but what they did have is, and I don't usually buy a lot of sports figures, but they had an Aaron Judge figure that I thought was a McFarlane sports figure, uh, but I had never seen it before. And it turns out it's from a, a company called Imports Dragon, which is, I guess, a Japanese company that makes Major League Baseball figures. And it was like individually numbered to like 4,999 or whatever. And it was just a cool figure based on like Judge in the Home Run Derby a couple of years ago. So between just the weirdness of like all of the above, I had to grab that. Um, and just real last thing about the Toy Boys in the major Facebook group, Brian Myers was selling off a bunch of the hoodies that he bought to sell at his gimmick table, and he realized it was too much of a pain in the ass to take them to the gimmick table from town to town. So I, I, I got a Myers hoodie on the way, uh, 40 bucks shipped with a couple extras thrown in. Oh, that's not that bad. I think I yeah. saw that in the group, but I'm I'm always late to activity in the group, you know? Yeah, I think I'm on that more than I am on like Twitter anymore, just out of boredom, and I'm like, I don't want to miss things. I don't know. Gotcha. 
What do you got, so Joe? You you only have one more, and it's the big one. I have like one and a half more, and they're relatively big. Okay, so I let me do my two because there's stories involved with them, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's Christmas time, Christmas shopping. Uh, they're both more like questions, okay? You're, you're an asking more questions like, guy. They're journeys, right? You're an asking questions guy. I'm an asking questions guy. Yeah. Christmas time, shopping for people. Uh, my little nephew is going to be three. He's into cars. Let's find something. I want to get him like something, cars, little matchbox, Hot Wheels cars, a little playset, whatever it is. Look online. I find one. It says like 30 bucks. I go check. Not in stock on Amazon. I go check on Walmart. Walmart's got it for 30 bucks. Out of stock at Walmart. I go search some other places. Uh, Target has it. Uh, QVC has it of all places. But like there, it's like 40 to 45 bucks. Okay. Let's check eBay. So I go and I find it on eBay and I find it for 35 shipped. Okay. So I go, okay, let's order it from eBay. 35 shipped, right? Hey, immediately, because I'm not that I'm not that person. And I get the thing that says, so this is on like a Monday morning I order it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Monday morning I order it. Says the thing is like, okay, your item will arrive by November 22nd. I go, perfect. That's plenty of time. I don't need it till Christmas. Yeah. So Wednesday, I get a Walmart box showing up at my house. And it's this item that I got off eBay. (laughs) <laughs> that has Walmart, it's in Walmart box, yep. Walmart packaging, Walmart stickers all over the thing. And as I'm going out on my porch to pick this up, I'm getting the eBay alert that my item just shipped. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, did I fuck up and accidentally order two of these like in another fugue state? <laughs> well, I'm like looking up the order number on Walmart. Nothing's coming up. I'm looking on my Walmart like profile. I'm like, when's the last thing I ordered something? Like the last time I ordered something was in June off Walmart's website. And I picked it up at their store. So I'm looking at my bank statement. I'm looking at my PayPal. I'm looking at my credit cards. I'm like, I can't see where I ordered two of this. So there's some fucking guy who's selling shit on eBay, I guess, out of the Walmart distribution hub. Uh, I could tell you, I don't think that that's the case. Okay. That's why uh, I'm asking questions. Yeah. I have seen this happen. Maybe this isn't the case. Maybe it is just somebody that works at the distribution center that's using all of their tape and boxes and whatever. And that that could possibly be the case. But there is also the scenario, and I've seen this happen with uh, Funkos and stuff like that, that sometimes people will assume that an item is sold out and is not available through normal channels. Uh-huh. Um, and will just by default go to eBay. Like, for example, when you were looking for those Halloween Horror Nights glasses, what was your first instinct? Your first instinct was to go to eBay because you're like, hey, eBay is going to have it. Um, And if not for Todd saying, hey, dummy, this website, the original source has them buy from here. But I have seen people that will sell stuff on eBay and with the knowledge that, hey, I do not personally as the seller have the item, but I'm looking at my computer right now and it says that Walmart has it in stock and it ships tomorrow. So when you, Joe, pay me, the seller, I then take that money, less my profit, because it was probably for more than retail. I then go on Walmart's website and I go ahead and I order you one ship it to you in your name, you know, and I pay for it, obviously, but I pocket the difference, if that makes sense. 
so it, it does, but like I checked Walmart and Walmart said it wasn't available. Um, again, I get that, but like that makes more sense. Like that maybe he had a bunch of them ordered and he just changed the shipping location to you or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I just feel like that's the scenario that happened, you know, or it just makes more sense than like, hey, this guy happened to have access to perfectly sized Walmart boxes and Walmart tape and Walmart shipping labels because the shipping label came from Walmart, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, then that's that's 100% the guy ordered it on your behalf because I can imagine if you work at like, listen, I work at the importer exporter business. I help myself to a lot of boxes and stuff like that for my personal exporting. Sure. And uh, you know, so I'll, the occasional thing will go out with an inspected by importer exporter sticker on it or something like that. But the shipping labels are straight from the post office or handwritten or whatever. Uh, you ain't printing them out at work and not getting fired because that's all counted somehow. So I think it's somehow the scenario is, you know, they ordered it on your behalf and maybe you just missed it or weren't searching for the proper tool, like proper keywords or something to that effect. Okay, because also, so- also, I was just going to say before you move on. Walmart, especially Walmart and Amazon are very good at not having the right descriptions or pictures for stuff. So this guy might have known, hey, this other item that just says, you know, I don't know, red box based on the UPC and the SKU, it's actually the figure or toy that this guy wants. So I'm going to I know that these are at my disposal. Okay. Uh, so that wasn't the case. It was a very, like a very specific thing. The description matched exactly what I copy and pasted into Target and Amazon and Walmart and eBay and QVC was all exactly the same thing. And it pulled up all exactly the same thing. So I'm on this guy's eBay page. Now he's got over 2000 items for sale and it's Adam. It's literally all of the hottest toys for Christmas. Okay. Yeah. And everything that I click on six and seven available x amount sold every single thing six or seven available x amount sold huh then i have no clue right (laughs) you know so at the very least i'm saving this guy as a seller so that if something else comes up for like a little kid that i need i'm probably going to check this guy first before i check the other channels yeah huh yeah i'm gonna have to take a look at that myself but that makes, like I said, I've had, uh, I, it's been a couple years, but I, I bought a Toys R Us exclusive Funko Pop from somebody. This is back when Toys R Us was still a thing. And it was, again, an exclusive that at the time I had not seen in stores. So I assumed as a naive new collector at the time of Funkos that I missed my opportunity. So I went and bought them on eBay. And it was shipped to me from Toys R Us. And I realized, oh, shit, they're in stock on Toys R Us. And this guy got me. <laughs> you know, like all he did was d- did what I described. So, right. Uh, I don't know. Hey, this guy's got a great opportunity going. He certainly does. Yeah. And so the other one I'll be a little bit quicker with. My kid watches a bunch of these uh, jamokes on YouTube that do all these different hacks of video games, you know? Sure. And there's one that they mentioned, this thing that's called the Switch Up. And I'm not going to guess that you have any idea what this thing is, right? No clue. So so the main thing of it is, it's a little USB stick drive that you put into your Switch 
you Bluetooth pair it to another company's uh, controller, Xbox, PlayStation, whatever, and you could essentially use an Xbox or a PlayStation wireless controller when playing a Switch game. And that's just maybe because you already have those controllers and you don't want to buy another controller if you have multiple gaming systems. But what the other thing that's, that this thing does is it has these like little macros built in for a lot of the more popular games, your Pokemon, your Mario Odyssey, your Breath of the Wild, your stuff like that, where it's like literally like a two-button combination of the controller that you have plugged in, and then it just automatically does this thing for you, okay? Yeah, like if you have a spell or something where you have to do like 10-button combination or whatever, it just simplifies it, sure. Right, so like the Pokemon one is a little bit more complicated because it's a whole thing of like, getting an egg and collecting an egg and moving around enough time so that the egg hatches and it does it so rapidly and repeatedly, it increases your chances to get a shiny Pokemon. My kid's like, hey, I want to do this. So I go, I drop $25 on this thing. Okay, I have Xbox 360 controllers laying around. Let's try this. Yeah. Nothing's connecting. All right, let me look up some videos on this. Okay, they're showing a wired Xbox 360 controller. All right. I'm going to go buy a $6 wire to make my thing into a wireless thing to connect it to this. That doesn't work. Okay, let's watch some more tutorial videos. I have Xbox 360 controller where it just automatically pay pairs because it's a first-party controller. They're showing third-party controllers that have like a separate USB Bluetooth connector thing. Mm -hmm. So now I go and I buy a $20 third-party Xbox 360 controller with the USB pairing separate thing, right? <laughs> yeah. That doesn't work. Okay. So now all the videos all show PlayStation 4, Xbox One controllers. So I go and I buy a $60 Xbox One controller, and it doesn't fucking work. <laughs> so now I'll say this. Being that the local Kohl's now does Amazon returns for free, Everything just gets brought back to them like the same day that they show up and shit doesn't work. Yeah. But this has been what like, this is like Sunday, the thing comes in, we try it, it doesn't work. Uh, Monday, uh, we try the wired thing with the Xbox 360 controller, that doesn't work. Tuesday, I try the third party, whatever, that doesn't work. Uh, or no, because it was like, so Sunday it came in, it was like Tuesday, Wednesday, and then just today was the Xbox One $60 controller. All this shit's getting taken back. And I'm like, I felt like I wanted this thing to work for my kids so bad, but like I sunk like <laughs> over $100 into getting this in. I'm getting all that money back. Yeah. But, you know, it was a purchase this week. Yeah, it, you tried. I mean, yeah, nobody so can accuse it, you if you're not trying. Right, if any listener out there is familiar with this switch up thing and can tell me what I'm doing wrong, like, Make it quick, because the rest of this shit's going back tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Joe, I have one last story slash purchases to tell. And uh, I, I advise many of our listeners to uh, maybe go ahead and turn off right now. You, you probably don't want to hear this story, but uh, you won't condone it, as I'm sure Joe does not either. But, Joe, I don't know if you know this, but in the Major Wrestling Figure podcast group, uh, Facebook group, uh, a lot of the guys from the podcast sell a lot of things. Uh, and uh, one of the people who quite possibly sells the most stuff is uh, is Broski. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I I've heard of this Broski character, sure. All right. So uh, 
couple days ago, actually last week, because I, I had teased it because I wanted to do a live unboxing. Uh, but they unfortunately, the items arrived after we recorded last week's show, and I just didn't want to wait until like this week uh, to do the unboxing. So I did it during the week. But what I did, Joe, is earlier in the week, Broski had posted uh, basically a mystery T-shirt bundle. All right, not so bad, right? And it's like, here's a picture of like 15 different T-shirts. And it's like, you know, just claim, but you won't, you can't claim what you want. It's just give me money and I'll send you an autographed shirt and I'll throw in other stuff. So it was just like, hey, you'll get what you get, which fair enough, whatever. So I'm looking at the shirts and I'm like, all right, I would never buy that shirt. I would never buy that shirt. Oh, you know what? I would probably buy that shirt. I would buy that one, whatever. And, uh, you know, a couple people are claiming here and there. And one of the shirts that he was selling that I, I wanted was uh, the red. It kind of looks like blood red, but it's a red deathmatch shirt. It's the one where he has the L.I. but with the middle finger. You've probably seen like that. Shirt. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the shirts that he has available in that lot. And again, you can't specify. So I was like, ah, fuck it. I'll claim one. And I put in parentheses, fingers crossed that I get the deathmatch shirt. You know, I think that's fair, right? I didn't say I want that or whatever. Just, hey, I want one, but fingers crossed I'll take one of these. So uh, a couple minutes, yeah, I don't know, however long goes by. And I'm looking at the shirts and I'm like, oh, man, there's a bunch of them on there that are like normal shirts, you know, like with sleeves and whatnot. And there's a bunch of them that are like broski cuts. Oh, boy. And I'm like, oh, man, I hope I don't get sent any broski cut shirts because I was like, I want to wear the shirts. Um, So I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Claim two broski. So I claim two shirts. Jesus Christ. Because <laughs> whatever. It's for the bit for the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's for the bit. So, uh, you know, they don't make it in time for last week, uh, but I get my contents last Friday. I open up the package, and wouldn't you know it, Joe, one of the shirts is the Deathmatch shirt that I, I didn't request, but I kind of nudged. Sure. So I'm happy about that. And the other shirt, Joe, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and turn on my camera here, <laughs> is a broski cut <laughs> swoggle shirt that I am currently wearing. <laughs> it's not just a broski cut swoggle shirt. It's the one of swoggle blackout drunk on the uh, luggage cart from one of the live shows. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I'm going to have to ask the boar. Like, I guess this shows off your delts and pecs and rhombuses and whatnot. But <laughs> so I was like, originally I was like, I hope I do not get a broski cut shirt. But then I was like, how hilarious would it be if I got one? And anyways, I got the shirt I wanted and I got a broski cut shirt that aside from that moment when I just showed you on camera, I will probably never show anybody else unless I get a really good tan because I'm very pasty. Uh, but uh, that was my mystery purchase that I teased last week. And uh, I think that's that's a that's a pretty good purchase to end it on, Rachel. Right, You're trying to kill every segment on the show. Oh, OK. I bought something else. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the worst kept secret on the planet, but I sent the message to you and I sent it to Kevin Ford and I said, Hey, Broski's selling this. I should buy this. Right. And you both. No, went, no, no. no. <laughs> 
I purchased Broski's purple pleather jacket. <laughs> that he wore when he dressed up as Effie for Halloween. What's that? No, he did not. It was from like uh, Impact, like backstage stuff and like a photo shoot and stuff like that. Oh, my goodness. So I had said to you, I was like, I should buy this. And you know, of course, rightfully so, you and Kevin were like, absolutely not. So that only made me want to buy it more. Uh, so the next day at work, I noticed that it was still not claimed for some strange reason. I don't know why anybody hasn't jumped on this opportunity. Um, but There's that word. There's that word. So I was just kind of like going around work when it was slow. And I'd be like, purple jacket, yes or no? And it was either hell no or yeah, absolutely. Why not? It was kind of 50-50, maybe 60-40 to the side of hell no. But there was a lot of a groundswell of support for the purple jacket. So uh, later that day, I had actually gotten my T-shirt package from Broski. So I took a picture of the shirts, uh, the picture I'm going to tweet out later uh, of just the T-shirts. And I DM'd him. I was like, hey, man, got the T-shirts. Thank you very much. You know, just in case there was any thought, like I didn't randomly get the shirt I asked for. Maybe you did put it in there. So I just said, thank you. And I said, oh, by the way, if nobody claims the jacket, I'll give you X for it. So I, I offered him a lower amount. That's so, right. Always, always make offer. Yep. And, uh, and he just came back to me. He's like, deal, you know, no problem. So I was like, cool. Here's the money. Here's, uh, you know, address, all that stuff. And that is why when I went to Excite Wrestling this week, uh, when I went up to see Broski, I said, hey, man, I was the one who just bought your leather jacket off of you last night. And he was like, no shit. He's like, that's a sexy fucking jacket, isn't it? And I was like, yeah. It is. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. He's like, Chelsea, I, I don't know if he said it or if Marky said it, but it was like Chelsea doesn't like it or Chelsea maybe oh. get rid of it. <laughs> or Chelsea indeed. <laughs> but uh, – that is when Broski took out his uh, phone and I was basically saying uh, on the camera, I was like, yeah, I kind of bought it as a rib for some of my friends that told me not to buy it. But in the end, I'm sure I'm just ribbing myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I I'm not. And he said, he's like, yeah, the jacket's really tight though. And I was like, oh, as long as I can zip it up, I might be a little bigger than you around the waist. And uh, mm -hmm. that's about the extent of the conversation. But uh, I had asked him, because he had said he was going to autograph the jacket. I had said, well, I'm going to wear this, and I'm not going to wear it on normal occasions. I'm going to take this thing to every LVAC show I go to. If I go to any kind of uh, indie wrestling show, I am going to be wearing Broski's jacket, but I'm not going to wear it like I'm going out a fig hunt or something like that. I'm going out to a social gathering. But I, I, I had asked him, hey, don't autograph it on the outside. Can you autograph it if there's like a pocket on the inside or on the inside label or something like that? So he said, yeah, no problem. So I don't know exactly where he did it, but somewhere on the inside of the jacket, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be autographed. But, uh, yeah, I did it as a bit. I thought it was hilarious. There's a lot of people at work that were like, don't you dare buy that jacket. That's the stupidest thing ever. So uh, I will wear it to work as soon as I get it as well. <laughs> yeah, you definitely, I think you should only wear it to work. <laughs> No, I gotta wear it to all the wrestling shows I go to. And I think when you wear it to the LVAC show, you should wear the the purple jacket with the broski cut swoggle blackout <laughs> drunk shirt. It is a look. It is a look. I know that I know the October show was Halloween, but fuck it, I'm dressing up today. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> all right, that's all I got, Joe. That was my big reveal. All right. Now I think you've officially killed weekly purchases. <laughs> uh, you've gone too far, Adam. I'm a monster. <laughs> yes, absolutely. 100%. Uh, so for Adam, this is Joe saying thanks everyone for listening to episode 164 of Add Odds with Wrestling. Be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.